Holman Newsflash, the SEMA show is less than a month away. Well, almost exactly a month away from this date right now that this is airing. Jeez, really? Yeah. Oh, I'm running out of time. <laughs> I'm out of time. Yeah. yeah. I'll be there all week. Funny, everybody's like, are you going to be there? Are you going to be there? Are you going to be there? It's like, of course I'm going to be there. Well, such and such company pulled out. I'm like, it's still going to be SEMA. Honestly, it's funny because there's a lot of companies that have pulled out bigger guys. And I'm thinking, that's going to be great for the medium-sized businesses because they're going to get the share of voice they never got before. If anything, if you're a smaller medium business, be at SEMA. By all means. Yeah. If So for those that don't know, the, the Specialty Equipment Market Association has an annual show. They didn't have it last year. Of course, There's nobody listening to the show that doesn't know that. I'm telling you there right. might. Okay. There's not, but okay. It's an industry show, industry yes. only, except for the first year ever this yep. year. Ignition is, yeah, or see, see me ignited, right? No. Ignition. Whatever yeah. they're calling it. No. Fri- yes. Fri- it's at the show. That's how they're doing it this year. They're you, letting pub- the public in on Friday. You can walk the whole show. I know. That's what I'm saying is they've rebranded that last day is their SEMA Ignition or Ignited deal. Go to SEMAignited.com. Mm-hmm. They've got SEMA Ignited. You can, uh, of course, watch all the vehicles leave the convention center, which is one of the coolest things ever. But they're offering the SEMA Friday experience. So it says, for the first time ever, we're offering a limited number of the public entry into the trade-only SEMA show through purchase of the SEMA Friday Experience ticket. The SEMA show offers attendee experience like no other. Best place to see the newest and uh, of automotive performance products. This is what you get. Includes Friday entry in the SEMA show from 9 to 4 and entering to SEMA Ignited from 3 to 10 on Friday, November 5th. Um, each person must pick up their own ticket. You cannot send anyone to your place. No exceptions. Be prepared to show valid ID. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff. Anyway, it's 60 bucks if you purchase it by October 8th, which is like this week, uh, and then 90 if you purchase between October 9th and the 4th. When I had first heard the news, it was like a friends and family opening, and obviously it's gone wider than that. You can just buy a ticket. So what was the website again? Uh, com. If you've heard about the SEMA show and you've always wanted to attend, this is your chance. Yeah. Uh, speaking of shows, I just got back from Overland Expo uh, West in Flagstaff. Did we say that this is the Truck Show Podcast, episode number 194? I'm Lightning. He is Holman. You were where? Uh, Flagstaff, Arizona at the uh, Overland Expo, and it was incredible. There were tens of thousands of people who came. There's like 400 vendors, and it was just a killer weekend full of off-roading, overlanding, partying. The KC camp was really cool. Live music and good booze and Did coffee Did you get any audio? Uh, I didn't, actually. <laughs> That's why I'm just saying I was there. <laughs> Uh, but I did see some of our friends, like uh, the guys at Bilstein, actually uh, roomed in a house with them. I was going to be, my Jeep was uh, in the AV booth, and the AV guy said, hey, uh, we've got room if you want to uh, bunk with us at our Airbnb. And I said, great. And they said, oh, uh, you might have to couch surf, uh, depending on if uh, Dave Harrington shows up, who's the founder of AV. And so then uh, our friends over at Bilstein said, hey, you got a place? You camping? Because you can camp there if you wanted to in your booth and or whatever. I said, no. Uh, I'm going to be probably couch surfing with the AV guys. It's two nights. Who cares? And they said, uh, we've got this massive 4,000-square-foot, five-bedroom house. Uh, there's a extra room that's all yours if you want it. And I told Matt at AV, peace out. I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm hanging with the Bilstein guys. As you should. And it was awesome. And they took good, they took good care of me. And I saw Josh Nickel over at DZ, who uh, he wants to come into uh, 
into studio. He wants to fly here from Iowa and hang oh, out with us. Heck yeah, absolutely. So, so we're going to try and figure that out once the office fully opens and we can have guests. So, um, but he was thanking us for giving the DZ shout outs on on the show, which we'll do here when we go through our sponsors. But overall, man, there was everything there. It was everything from the coolest gadget all the way up to a million dollar expedition vehicle on when, some medium duty chassis. When you say the coolest gadget, give me an example. Well, there was a... Because uh, I know you love gadgets. I do love you, gadgets. You are like me, and you'll walk up to a booth, and you'll stare at this shiny object for an hour. And ask, yes. and you'll need to know, how was this machined? Is this 6061 aluminum? Is it, and where is it space grade? Like You'll ask every question. What milling device carved these, uh, the, the, uh, the holes? Did you countersink these? They should always be countersunk, right. know, if, we're, if we're being honest. Uh, no, it, there was all sorts of stuff there. Um, one of the things I was really impressed with was, um, you know, those like Max Tracks, mm-hmm. the big orange boards that you can recovery boards that go in sand. They have the Max Tracks Minis now, and so they're made for UTVs, but they're still strong enough for a truck. So in a Jeep, if you don't have a lot of room, you just use the Minis. Well, they can link together to make a, a full size one, oh. and they store smaller. So I, I kind of like that. Obviously, a lot of love for the Go Fast campers. Like uh, the setup on my Jeep. I mean, the AV booth was crazy all weekend long. Um, Step Twenty Two, which makes handmade bags of all varieties here in the United States. You mean um, like backpacks? No, I mean everything. Tool like bag, recovery bag, toiletry bag. They're all hand sewn. YKK zippers, all that stuff here. They had some really nice new bags that that were super super rad. I really liked a lot of the solar stuff. Like, there's some really cool solar stuff. Uh, Red Arc has some new battery management stuff. How about uh, Dometic? Dometic just bought Igloo. Like, Dometic that makes the fridges and stuff for overlanding. They just bought Igloo. You're a lying sack of shit. No I'm, way. I'm not. Igloo is massive. Um, Dometic is now moving into, like, this whole Dometic Outdoors division. So they had all this really cool storage gear. Those, like, hard boxes with soft boxes in, or soft, like, cubes inside, if you will. So you can pull them out perfectly fitted. So like, for example, if you have a storage box, right now you throw your stuff in and it's like you might have your toilet paper next to your spices, next to your utensils. But what happens is inevitably the salt falls over and fills the bottom of it with salt. No, and, I like when I put a, uh, a your, ham and cheese sandwich in there and the bread gets soggy. No, no, that's a fridge. That's a fridge. You want to put it in the fridge so it doesn't get soggy. Okay. This isn't a cooler. This is a storage box. Okay. They also had some really cool uh, tables and water jugs and stuff like that. So I was really impressed that they're moving big time into... The uh, you know cargo storage and, and stuff like that. There's some really cool uh, tables, tailgate tables. I know uh, our friend Britt Manzel over at uh, uh, American Venture Lab had some really awesome cargo management storage devices, things like that. Now, how Magnaflow. Much- Magnaflow is there with a new universal no-drone exhaust system uh, that you could use on any type of vehicle if they don't have application-specific. Camberg had their new Bronco in Magnaflow's booth with the coolest, like, integrated low-mount rooftop tent on it, and Goose Gear had their table on the Bronco, and then uh, the, the Bronco was sick, had race suspension on it. Yeah, like I, I saw him building that on his Instagram. He yep. was very, he, uh, our buddy Jerry is very proud yep. of that Bronco. Uh, he is, he is. Uh, Shift Pod, with their new Shift Pod 3. I don't know what that is. Uh, those are those cool uh, tents that look like they're from space. That take what? about fifteen what? seconds to well, put up. Let me see your. Hold on. Oh, you've never seen one of those before? No, I oh, have not. Oh, that's seen what this. my that's what my guest house is. That's very cool. When I was in the Boy Scouts, I had a um, tent that took years to put up. Nope, I had a tent that was made out of a clock spring. 
and it was it was large and round. Uh-huh. You know the uh, the sun visors that you twist up into a figure eight uh-huh. and they get smaller. Yep. It was the same concept. Uh-huh. It was all a clock spring. And I walked out one year. I was at a uh, Boy Scout jamboree, and I just got in this tent. I take it out of its pack. And I just hold it over the ground, Holman, like this, like a pancake, yep. one any, or like a giant frisbee, and I let go, and my my tent was set up, and guys were tripping balls. Can you say that tripping balls? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, the shift pods are these, uh, like uh, they look like a a space capsule that landed on Mars. They're this reflective quilted coating. Um, they the new ones, the three have all these cool features, like actually carbon fiber poles that hold it together. They set up in like 30 seconds and take down in like two minutes. They're just, they're awesome. So uh, the threes are just hitting now. And so they had a few of those there. Uh, Quigley doing their four wheel drive van conversion. So you're saying I need one of those tents when I go camping with you because I can't stay in your rooftop tent. Yeah, that's what I just said. That's my guest house. I see. I have a mini that I, my dad uses whenever we go camping. I always tease him. I, I'm in the penthouse, he's in the guest house. It works out great. Uh, Nissan was there and Nissan had a bunch of new Nismo accessories. So uh, for the Frontier. so These are unannounced? Uh, yeah, they announced it at Overland Expo. So they had uh, some really cool light mounts, like rigid light mounts, bumpers, things like that. And there's, I hear, a bunch more cool stuff coming. Uh, and then I also saw uh, Bill Stein's new control arms for Tacomas. Oh, really? So, they're uh, not vaporware? They're not. They're actually real. And are they? And they're billet? Are they anodized a particular color? No, they're, uh, they're tubular steel with a really good ball joint in it. They're, these ones are not billet. Okay. They're not billet. I think they're just, you know, they're trying to serve a certain price point, right? And then there's a bunch of kind of cool things. I like shower pouches. I don't know if you've ever heard of a shower pouch. So it's basically a I giant have, man-sized baby wipe. Right here on my belly. No, that's a shower that's, pouch. Uh, that's just that's your gut. Fat gut. <laughs> no, uh, the shower pouch is like a man-sized baby wipe. So if you can't take a shower, you wash your whole body with them. And uh, they added a new scent this year uh, to go with a uh, no scent bamboo and cucumber. It's now citrus, which uh, they sold out of at the show. Very proud of them for that. Yeah, I'm not, uh, not going to bark on that. You care, you care about it when you've been in the woods for three days. No, I, I know you do. You need I, to I not just, be stinky. I just want to go find a stream. Forrester Tools had a cool multi-tool where you can put all sorts of, um, you know, it's like one stick, but you can put an axe, a shovel, a rake, all sorts of, a, you know, and it folds down nice and small. It's a Swiss Army shovel? It's a, that's exactly what it is. I love it. Force Tool Company. Check it out. Okay. They're, they're pretty badass. There's a bunch of implements that come out of it. But yeah, it's the Swiss Army shovel. I like that. Swiss Army shovel. Damn, well, you are dropping bombs of knowledge before we've even hit the intro of the ha- show. How about Leitner Designs? They make those really cool extruded aluminum bed racks. Yeah, they're they, beautiful. And they put the modules on them. They made their own shower system that locks into their bedside in a, like a black water container. And then Bernard over there designed a, a new fitting. So it's not like what everybody else has. And you can you know shower yourself with water. And then... Do you remember the old audio uh, company, MB Court? Of course I do. So uh, they had, I don't know how you should preface this, they had a JL there, or JT there, with their all new full speaker replacement and new amps for the Alpine system. And it's the best audio I've heard out of the Alpine system in terms of upgrade. It was crisp and loud, and I sat there and just listened to a bunch of music for a while. It was really damn good. How does it compare to our friends over at OEM Audio Plus? So OEM Audio Plus, the only ones that I've heard are the ones on their bass system where they upgrade the bass Jeep system. Yes. And I loved it. And it was great. They have a JBL upgrade as well. They can do that system for Toyotas. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. They can do that system apparently overlaid on the Alpine. They want to do it on mine, but I haven't heard it yet. So my buddy AJ 
has their system in his JL, and I want to hear that versus the MB Court hmm. because I'm curious. The MB Court system sounded badass. Yeah, those were high-end speakers wish, in the day. In the day, I, yeah. I didn't know that MB Court was still around. They're still around. They're bought yeah. by a company uh, out of Illinois, so it's a U.S. company now. Really? Who? Yeah. Do you know the parent company? Yeah, they're owned by a, a company called Maxonics. Two X's? Max, uh, M-A-X-X? Yeah, two, yep, two X's. I have seen that company. Yeah, and Maxonics owns... You know I'm a car audio geek. I know, that's why I'm telling you about these things. The, the, uh, Maxonics apparently owns Hyphonics, MB Court, Crunch, Autotech. So they, they bought up a bunch of these audio brands. And I got to tell you, that MB Court stuff in the Jeep sounded sick. Anyway, we uh, there were a bunch of cool things. I wish you were there for the audio because I wanted your ear. I'm, I'm super curious. There's a, another uh, Jeep JL company... Uh, called Terracoustics, which are a bunch of guys who came from the uh, sound, I guess, loudspeaker and audio thing, like 25 years. You're through. talking about like the, in the PA world, like I guess. coming from it, concerts, stuff so, like that? So they have a direct replacement speaker and tweeter for just the dash on a JT or JL, plug and play, give you the tools, everything you need to put them in, and they leave everything else alone. And they're going to come by hopefully next week and let me hear their system. Their whole deal was for 250 bucks, we have created a soundstage where one didn't exist in the jail. Hmm. And so basically they're saying, we don't care about the speakers behind you because they're loud enough, but we're focused on a soundstage as music is moving through you. So we really don't care about the ones behind you. And we've already experimented with swapping those speakers out on the Alpine system. And there was almost no benefit to it. So they focus on these really high-end, like titanium, aluminum, whatever. Sure, but how are they changing the staging? So I'll have to show you the Instagram post because they're talking about ohms and materials and all things. I'm not an audio expert. I just mm-hmm. know what I like. Mm-hmm. And everybody who has sampled them says they are transformative inside the Jeep. Really? So I, I, I'm kind of curious for you to know about them too. So anyway, they were also at the show, but I didn't have a chance to hear them. So that's another option that I'm kind of curious about. So anyway, all yeah. these audio players are coming in uh, in kind of OEM Audio Plus space, right, where they're taking speakers and upgrading the, you know, everything's plug and play. But that's mm-hmm. the way that industry seems to be going, which I think is really awesome. It's interesting that we thought that the aftermarket was dying, and well, it it has almost but, but, died. Well, we thought it was dying because head units were dying. But and now what they're doing they've is worked around it. Now it's you keep your head unit. They they have some sort of module that talks to the head unit so you don't lose anything, and then they're running their amps in line with the other amp from the factory so that the factory head unit doesn't freak out. And then they're doing some sort of DSP or separate amps, and they're adding power, and they're doing really high end speakers, and they're finding out. Your experience in the screen and the head unit remains intact. It's the audio experience that gets better. So it's kind of this. It's a fascinating spot for me. Well, I wish you, I knew you, more about you it. You know enough about it to sell to be a salesman. I, I, I yeah. <laughs> but when people are talking about crossovers and ohms and this, I'm like, yes. <laughs> Charlie Brown's teacher. I, yeah, it's not really my gotcha. my thing. So anyway, and then I just got back from. Uh, I was driving something yesterday. Now was that the new? Hummer. Yes. So I flew out to GM and had two hours with it and got to uh, drive it, get behind the wheel, and I think we'll save that for uh, for next episode. Wait, what? Why? No, 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 no. I need to hear more about it because that's not under- Embargo. Uh, it sh- the embargo should be breaking as you're listening to this right now. So then why are we making them wait? 
because we have to talk about Rivian this week because we still haven't had a discussion about my Rivian trip. So figure. Yeah, and I did see that. that on YouTube on the Motor Trend yeah, channel. So that just dropped uh, as we record today. Dropped yesterday. So if you want to see uh, leg three of our trip where uh, we take a Rivian down Black Bear Pass. Well, and- let's talk more about that in a minute. Yeah. Because that's uh, that's a whole thing that we need to get into because I was blown away by the video and we'll, 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 t- we'll hit that yeah, in they, a second. They too. did a good job on it. Yeah. All right. So before we get into the show, we got to thank Nissan and uh, tell you, get down to your dealer, check out the new 2022 Nissan Frontier. They're going hot. I saw at my local dealer, I saw two or three Frontiers last week, mm-hmm. zero when I drove by today. That does not surprise me Gone. at all. Gone. And I know that they're definitely dealing with uh, the chip shortage and trying to crank out enough vehicles, but uh, that is in high demand. There are actually three Frontiers that I saw at Overland Expo West. What uh, was done to them? Uh, just real basic stuff, okay. you know, racks and rooftop tents and Some stuff. Some of the Nismo stuff on them? Uh, in the Nismo booth, yeah. Right, in the okay. Nissan's booth, they brought their own, but everything else oh, was- Oh, so you think there's no, three there's, that, oh. Uh, Yeah, there's other manufacturers that are starting to uh, fit- things on it. So, it was, so we, had, cool. we had a discussion in my office mm-hmm. about the, that very truck, about yeah. the Frontier, and we think it's going to be a big deal. Yeah. I, I, everybody who's, who saw it was like, yeah, this thing's really cool. So a lot, a lot of good feedback on that. So if you're interested, you better uh, head over to NissanUSA.com where you can uh, build and price the Nissan Frontier of your dreams and also find out if there's any dealer inventory. Uh, it's definitely uh, in high demand, but it's a it's a rad little truck. You might have to make a few phone calls. You might have to make a few phone calls. And uh, if you're looking for a bigger truck- you're going to want to check out the Nissan Titan or Titan XD with the industry's best warranty, five-year, 100,000 miles. Uh, either way, you're going to get a great, reliable truck, so uh, yeah, check I mean, them out. Dude, even the, the Frontier or the Titan, they both have the Fender audio system, which we're talking about audio. It is They did a well, really nice job. It's better in the Frontier because it's the space is cabin. smaller. Yeah, it's like wearing a pair dude, of headphones. It's crank, it cranks. Yeah. It cranks big time in the uh, in the Frontier. So definitely will, uh, want to check that out. And they both have zero-gravity seats and spray and bed liner and all the good stuff that you look for in a modern truck today. So also, uh, sometimes I'm looking for tools. When I'm looking for tools, I want to- uh, You got one right here, buddy. Uh, oh, that's a good point. What's, what size- <laughs> why, why, you, why go on a hunt for one are and you have one right here? Are you metric or standard? I am a metric, for I'm, sure. I was going to say non-standard. <laughs> that's true. I'm irregular. That's uh, true. If you want regular tools, though, you yeah. could uh, head Dura over last. here. DuraLastParts.com or head down to your local AutoZone where you can find uh, Duralast tools. They feature a complete line of professional-grade technicians' hand tools engineered for what matters most, speed, access, and strength. Their sockets and wrenches feature off-camber loading technology to help prevent the rounding of fasteners, and their professional-grade ratchets and drive tools feature chamfered square drive lead-ins for fast and easy placement of sockets and accessories. All Duralast hand tools are guaranteed for life, and you want to go to DuralastParts.com. And now this tool over here, not guaranteed for life. Short uh, lifespan. I'm thinking 60 years. I'm out I'm out at 60. You're close. I've told everyone I'm out at 60. That's it? That's it. Do you, you have less than a decade. Yep, I know. It goes by fast. It does. Yeah. Why so little time? I just think I eat so poorly that <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm out at 60. That's it? Yeah, I'm just warning everyone. No one believes me. I'm like, you'll see. I'm just going to drop freaking see, this, this is, dead this at is, 60. This is funny now. Less funny when we are eulogizing you and we go, you know, I warned eight everyone. years ago he said he was out. <laughs> I told everyone I'm out. And if, if we're, it's literally, if I'm 60 and I, we're still doing this podcast and yeah. I just fall right over, I don't want you to even bat an eye. Just go, I want you to look down at your eye watch. Told you. you know, your apple and go, that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> um, should we embalm you and hang you in the studio so you forever live on with the show? I think you do what uh, they did with like Prince's, you know, jacket and Michael Jackson's glove in like the Hard Rock in Vegas. You, you just put me in a glass cabinet. All right. So I'll just take your trucker hat that says uh, support your local diesel shop. <laughs> yes, do that. And we'll put you in a cabinet. <laughs> 
The moral of the story is if you need quality tools, go to DuraLastParts.com. All right, well, if you're looking for great shocks, uh, Bill Stein has you covered. They're the uh, the shock that you can find from the factory on Nissan Titans and Frontiers, the Ram TRX, and the new Ford Bronco. When manufacturers want the best, they also choose Bill Stein. Oh, by the way, hilarious, and I got one. I almost wore it tonight, but I totally forgot. I have a shirt from Bill Stein that they broke out for the first time at Overland Expo West. That says? It says Bill Stein on the front. Oh, and? It's a dictionary spelling of it. Oh, so, so it's, it's phonetic. Yeah. And so the shirt basically tells you how to say Bilstein correctly. Nice. And I was standing there and Steve from Bilstein is talking to somebody. He's like, I got me Bilsteins. And he's like, I got a shirt for you. He's like, I'm literally wearing the shirt. They're telling me how much they like the shirt and they're still calling it Bilsteins. Yeah. So I thought that was well, pretty Well, you and I were at a show. I don't recall where it was, where the guy who owned a Cummins was calling it a Cummings. Right. The badge was six inches from his hip. He had it tattooed on him, and he had, and he was still calling it a Cummings. And, um, I looked at his tattoo. There's no G. There was no G. I, and I don't he was get still it. calling. It, where's the G coming right. from, buddy? Guys, it's Bilstein. Bilstein. Listen, you don't say Bierstein. You say Bierstein. It's German. You're gonna yeah. go pick up a beer and drink it out of your Bierstein. Bilstein. Bilstein. Say it with us. You ready? All right. Bill, Bill Stein. Stein. All right. So uh, Bill Stein has a, a huge catalog of monotube shocks. And this will blow you away. They created the monotube shock in 1950-freaking-five. That's not shocking at all. Very nice, everybody. All right. If you're looking for direct replacement, performance shock, leveling kits, all the way up to race parts, head over to BillStein.com, where you can see their extensive catalog of awesome shocks that will make your vehicle ride like new. Better than new or tackle all sorts of things at high speeds that you shouldn't be doing. And if you're on the website and you accidentally hit print on the catalog button, you're I, going to go through a ream of paper. Oh, just, I was going to say- uh, The whole toner cartridge. I, yeah, I was going to say, I hope you have that uh, Epson, uh, what are they, they their new- the, the refillable yeah, cartridge? Yeah, where you take like the jar of ink and you <laughs> yeah. pour it in there. Just, sorry, just advance. It's, it's your, your IT department is going to be upset. I uh, I almost grabbed a catalog while I was there to bring it to you to show you how many pages it was, and I totally forgot. No, I know. I've seen I, it. I, I should do that. I saw it when I was at uh, Off-Road Expo. Oh, I was like, it's, it, it's just a freaking, the, the Bible is puny. <laughs> There's so many parts in that yeah. thing. All right, uh, speaking of so many parts, you probably need parts for your Jeep or your truck, whether you uh, are a weekend guy or you need it for work. you got our friends over at DZ, the quality truck accessory people. They've been manufacturing truck and SUV accessories in central Iowa since? Since 1977, right? That is correct. Nice. And be the first to know about new products by following them on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube at DZMFG. That's D-E-E-Z-E-E-M-F-G. Let's start the show! Why are you yelling at me? I'm sitting right here. Let's start the show. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck, because truck rides with the truck show. We have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Oh, oh. It's the truck show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. That guy. And that guy over there. This is where we launch into the show, Holman. What do we uh, have queued up first? Are we talking uh, Lemon Law with our friend Mike Rice down at Off-Road Adventure, or are we... Uh, I was going to talk a little Rivian. 
Oh, okay, yes, I'm into this. Because uh, yesterday, uh, so last week, if you're listening to the show right now, on the Motor Trend YouTube channel was uh, just dropped leg three of the Rivian cross-country adventure, which is the leg that I was on. So uh, myself and Frank Marcus from Motor Trend uh, helped pilot a Rivian. We did you know 7,700 miles from the East Coast to the West Coast off-road. We did from Oklahoma to Utah, 1,500 miles or so. Uh, in the you new, said you did 1,500 miles. Yeah, our leg was 1,500 miles. Okay, all right. Our, in the R1T, we're the ones that crossed the Continental Divide. That's awesome. Which oh, was That is cool. beautiful. And uh, we took a picture, and Frank was on the west side but lives in Detroit. I was on the east side and live in uh, California. And I said, oh, we got to swap, so we're on our own sides of the country. So he had to go on the other side of the sign, and then I went on the other side of the sign. Good story. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we, I recorded a, just a quick interview. Uh, it was a crazy – it was 10 days – um, the whole trip was 43 days, uh, including teams swapping in and out and all that Holy kind of stuff. Mackerel. And we were the only uh, group to drive the, the Rivian. We did before everybody else. Now reviews from other people are starting to trickle in, and they're all really positive. And you know, we've gotten to it in a little bit on the show so far, but I was amazed at how well the vehicle is put together, how well it is um, – just how solid it was, how well it works. It feels like a finished project. I, I say in the video, if you go and look for it, it's 12 minutes. It's worth it just for the scenery alone. Um, I say it's not. it doesn't feel like a science project. And I, I still, to that to this day, for an upstart manufacturer to put together something that well done as their first swing, wow. We've tried in vain for over three years now to get someone from Rivian Yes. On the horn with us. And it was, it's funny is we both know people that work at Rivian. Unfortunately, they're not in PR and they can't get approved to talk to us, which is ironic and odd. But that's the deal. Holman, back up the clock a second and tell us what do you know about Rivian? Where, what's the genesis of the company? Was it a former exec that it started? How much do you know about Rivian? Because to me, all of a sudden one day – they were at the L.A. Auto Show. I mean, you, we all have our auto shows around the country. I walked into the L.A. Auto Show, and there was Rivian with their, their demo truck. And it looked kind of half-baked, in my opinion. And I, I would not have guessed at that time that they would have ended up being a, a real player. You know, they were, ju- they were just one of the many that were trying to do that. Uh, but then they started just getting round of funding after round of funding after round of funding and partnership. But I don't know the real genesis. Do you? So uh, a lot of people incorrectly assume that Rivian is a Chinese company. Oh, and I it's not. I, it's an American I, company. Really? I didn't know that people thought that. Uh, yeah, I mean, every every other upstart electric vehicle that isn't Ford, GM, Chrysler, or whoever is, you know, or or the Germans, it's pretty much seems like it's a Chinese company. Lucid or, you know, has has the backing of a Chinese company. Uh, <laughs> Fis- Fisker. <laughs> um, they were American company. Yes, they were. They were. Um, they still are, I guess. So Nikola, by the way, did you see just teamed up with Opel? Yeah, we'll see. I'm just saying. I just read. No, it. I, I'm just. I'm just saying that. I'm we'll not see. saying anything's gonna happen. I'm so just they, saying. Great. How many? How many them. people are familiar with Opel? Um, just well, Opel used to be a GM brand, and I believe might be a Stellantis brand now. I can't remember. I don't they, know. They got spun out of uh, GM a few years ago. So originally, the company was founded in 2009 by uh, R.J. Scarinch, who is a young, fast mover in this space now. Um, it was renamed from a from Mainstream Motors to you may remember a company called 
of Vera Automotive. No, um, I don't. Okay. Well, if you follow electric vehicles, these guys come out of a Vera Automotive. I believe they they received their first large investment in 2015. Uh, but Rivian is a play on the words of uh, Indian River. And that's where the that's where uh, Rivian comes from. And um, you can go to MotorTrend.com and uh, Ed Lowe did a great interview with R.J. Scringe about Rivian. And you know we don't need to belabor it all here, but um, he goes into some of that stuff. Um, if you go online, they've got a bunch about the stories and how they came to be. In just 2016, Rivian had about a hundred employees. Today. They have, I think, over 3,000. Oh, my gosh. Um, they bought the uh, old Mitsubishi factory in uh, Normal, Illinois, and that's where they're going to be building them. They are headquartered just down the road in Irvine, California. Um, and then uh, they have offices in Michigan and all over the place. And um, it's it's a, still a small company in terms of uh, personnel when you're looking at some of the other car companies. They've got a few models coming out. They've got the R1T, which is the truck. That's what I drove. The R1S, which is the SUV, which is coming later. And they've got some other stuff coming that I think is going to uh, their follow-ons, smaller off-road vehicles aimed at the heart of other off-road vehicles. That could be – I guess we'll see if they're every bit as good as the truck is and it's a second generation and they're going after the heart of the market – it's going to be a pretty interesting deal. Huh. Well, I'm interested in getting your review. Truck review. Yeah. Roll the colon dragon truck nuts. I guess that uh, intro doesn't really apply. The whole uh, rolling colon dragon truck nuts. do either. No. No. Especially with the air suspension. You can drag, you can take those truck nuts right off the ground. I see. Gotcha. All right. So uh, I took this piece of audio. It's about 20 minutes long. Um, this was sort of just, uh, I don't even remember. I think it was toward the end of the trip, mid-trip. Uh, I just had a chance to pull the recorder out. We just started chit-chatting. And, uh, and this is me and Frank Marcus kind of talking about our thoughts on the vehicle. How much laryngitis did you have at this point in the trip? Uh, the last couple – I think it was our last night of camping because it was so dry out there. And we were in AC all, all the whole time. Every day except for two were above 100 degrees. Um, and it just got to a point where, like, I was just I was suffering at the end. I don't think I have it here yet, though. What What did the uh, AC do to the range of the Rivian? Uh, we had some phenomenal range. Uh, these were the uh, entry level uh, models, so three hundred uh, mile battery packs. There will be a four hundred mile battery pack version coming out, um, and we were seeing on average about one hundred and sixty to one hundred ninety five miles of off road range. Which is, I, I thought, pretty Pretty impressive. significant, yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, they're real vehicles. It's not just like something that was screwed together is, in, in high school auto shop. It is a real vehicle that I would put up against anything in the market today. And is this piece of tape, this audio, before or after you did Black Bear Pass? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't even remember. <laughs> oh, really? Because <laughs> until I had seen your video, believe it or not, I know we've talked about Black Bear yeah. Pass a lot, which is which is where? That's a, in- um, Telluride, Colorado. Tell, Telluride. Okay, thank you. We've talked about it on this show, and I, for whatever reason, I don't think I've actually just seen video of a vehicle on yeah. Black Bear Pass until this, and I was remarking how tight the S-turns were, the, the switchbacks. Yeah, it's vertical. If you, Insane. It's and, not. I mean, there are some very technical sections that you're lifting tires, and you have to be careful about You were on three balance. wheels in this Rivian in this video. We were on two wheels at one point, um, but the opposite wheels, so it's teeter-tottering as we went over. 
But the issue, it's not the most technical trail in the world. It's not the Rubicon or Doozy Ursham or, you know, Cabbassy Rocks or something like that. But it is a trail that if you don't respect it and you don't know where your corners are, a mistake is deadly. Well, we just saw what happened uh, yeah, this last there's week. There's a Bronco Sport that rolled off. And uh, did, the thing that was amazing about that is, did you see how intact the structure was on yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's you can say what you will about the vehicle being on the trail and about the capability, but we can't say anything as how well Ford built that safety cage and that thing. Because, I mean, it rolled down, I guess, hundreds of feet and, you know, ejected the engine and all that. But the safety cell around the the occupants, the one, I think there was a lady. Yeah, it was a girl and her dog. And she yeah, got- Because the other girl had gotten out to spot or something like that. And they went too high up on a ledge and got on their side and rolled off. And so the one who was inside, I guess, uh, lived. She, she got ejected. Oh, she got ejected. I, I think she got ejected. Oh, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know enough about I, the story. I could, yeah, I, I should stop. I don't. I don't know the. Whole All I know details. is that when you look at the vehicle, it's destroyed, but the passenger compartment is intact. So yeah, could could have been a lot worse. That's uh, that's what I'm saying. All right. So here's a piece of audio of myself and Frank Marcus in the uh, Rivian R1T. Frank, what do you uh, what do you think? I think this thing is awesome. It feels like the natural way to go off road. All those gears and do- low ranges and all that's just band-aids for an inferior powertrain that gasoline makes. Is he doing uh, the fake southern no, accent there? A little bit, but that's sort of how he talks to you when he's getting excited about oh, something. Oh, does he? You got uh, that, 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 <laughs> like that, you know, that, no, that Frank, band-aids Frank, that, you no, know. Frank's awesome. He, um, he is a tech guy. He's more hardcore into the electric side. He's excited about it. I'm more a little bit conservative, not ready to, to make that leap quite yet. This is really my first experience uh for a you know a lot of miles in an all EV vehicle, and he's right. There was some stuff where it felt superior to a traditional internal combustion engine, but there are also places where I can see how gears help you. It's just one of those things that's different. You had to retrain yourself on how to wheel. It was very fascinating. But how, how would gears help you? I mean, if you have infinite- well, let's just, well, let's just keep listening to the interview, oh. and then if you have questions at the end. That I, I, well, no, because we always talk about it, and then I find out I answered it oh, okay, yeah, in right. the audio. So okay, we'll play just, on, we'll play, just play on. on. Sure. So uh, I'm not quite as sold as uh, Frank is uh, on the death of uh, internal combustion engines, but I will tell you, this thing is the real deal. It's a real truck. It is. Uh, doesn't feel like somebody's science uh, experiment. And uh, you know, figured uh, this would be a good chance. So while we are at the uh, with with the skilled Frank Marcus at the wheel and us driving through the backcountry off road, I'll tell you a couple things that that come to mind immediately with the uh, Rivian is. How solid it feels um, this has a really special uh, hydraulic adaptive semi-active uh, suspension on it this is the best riding um, air suspension that we've ever been on uh, in my opinion of any 4x4 vehicle uh, previous to that it was the Defender 110 the new one we thought that was the best in terms of uh, air suspension it's not even close to how good the Rivian is it's just amazing um, how this thing feels and today is any idea who did the air suspension? Was it like Saks or no? It's Tenneco and Olin's, and it has Ooh. this really crazy air slash hydraulic system with a virtual sway bar. It's actually like uh, adapted from uh, similar to a setup on McLaren sports cars that they've mm-hmm. made have long travel for off roading. Uh, I typically don't like air suspension because I don't like the variable rate of the spring essentially because as you pump it up, your spring rate changes. Mm-hmm. And the way they have it, it's unbelievable. Whether you're in a higher mode or the lower mode, you still have compliance. It rides great. The virtual sway bars are awesome because it can pump hydraulic fluid and cross-link from one side to the other. So as one side's lifting, it's stiffening the other side and countering that. And we actually broke 
something along the way, and, and a valve went bad, one of the, I guess, the Olin's valves. And what ended up happening was the virtual sway bar went away, and you can completely tell the difference in handling night and day. It just got sloppy. All, all super sloppy, because now you have, what, 13 or 14 inches of wheel Tell me you weren't on the switchbacks when that happened. Uh, we were on, no, we weren't on uh, Blackbird. We were on a switchback of a different kind, but I could feel uh, an issue, and the engineers came and said, oh, let's let's go for a ride. So well, they, how did they, they swapped know? out. No, they were in the car. Oh, okay. You okay. know, and I just, I, I knew. I radioed ahead and said, to one of the guys, hey, Nick, can you, there's something wrong with the car. Can you come in? And he's, I'm like, do you feel that? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, to their credit, they switched out an entire strut and refilled up the hydraulic system that night. And we had a new car ready to go in the morning, basically. Everything was fixed. And they took that part that failed and shipped it off to engineering for analysis. It was really amazing. And it was funny because we were on this trip. We would talk about things we wanted changing. The next day, there'd be a software update that had changes that we had discussed. The so day there's before. somebody back at home base. Software, oh, there's lots of people at home base. Software writers going, uh, yeah, ah, yeah, twenty four seven on Mountain Dew, and uh, it's crazy. So I know we always talk about what's a truck, what's not a truck, and so previous to this, um, the, the the rules have kind of been, you know, the litmus test of or we know Ridgeline is not a truck, so we're you know. The Ridgeline, that's our litmus test on this on this uh, group of rules here. So the rules before have been three of these five. Body on frame, 4x4 capable chassis, open cargo area, bed separate from the cab, longitudinal mounted engine. That's how we have said this is a truck and this is not a truck. So let's take a look at the Rivian for a second. And I can tell you guys, after a week and a half, uh, I came into this with an open mind. And as a traditional truck guy, you guys know my stance. You guys know we've dabbled in electric vehicles with some of the other companies and trying to get that information out there to you. This obviously was the longest I've ever had a chance to experience uh, an electric vehicle. And I got to tell you, uh, really opened my eyes to some of the technology and what EVs can do off-road. But let's go over it. Body on frame. So technically, this is a body on frame because it uses a skateboard chassis uh, for the batteries. And uh, it has like a monocoque uh, body on top of that frame. So we're going to go ahead and say that this is, uh, checks the body on frame box. All right, 4x4 capable. This is the ultimate 4x4 because instead of using a transfer case and differentials and lockers to create 4x4, the Rivian actually has four individual motors. Say what? Four. Yeah, I mean. Four even, motors, even, one per wheel. Even the Cybertruck was only three. Four. And I, and I was going to spend more for the three. <laughs> What's amazing <laughs> though is... Uh, you know, you have the ability to have virtual lockers because obviously the the wheels are individually controlled. So you mm-hmm. have to make sure the the motors are spinning at the same speed. Things like that. It's just the things you can it's do. Incredibly I have, complex. But yes, it's all up to these. Things. I have some ideas. Okay. I have some ideas, but I'll wait till the end of what I think would be cool that, you can, that I've been thinking about. If you have individual motors, what can you do? You, I, I you can ideas. turn like a top. You can turn. Well, they do have tank turn. Which okay. you've seen that video, yeah. Which they decided to postpone because they don't want somebody tank turning like off a ledge or something like that. Because oh, that would be bad. Okay. Uh, there's, you know, they're trying to figure out how to do it awesomely, but there's some other stuff that I've thought about. But I'll tell you later. Hmm. Very curious. One for ev- for each wheel, so it actually is a real four by four. Does it have a bed separate from the cab? No, because of the way the skateboard chassis is and how stiff it is, it doesn't need that. Uh, it doesn't have a longitudinal mounted engine because it's not internal combustion, but it does have an open cargo area. So I'm going to go ahead and say the R1T is a truck. Plus, it has 800 plus horsepower, 900 plus pound-feet of torque. It can tow 11,000 pounds. So to me, that sounds like a real truck. You guys don't even understand. 11,000 pounds of towing. Yeah, but for like six miles. No, <laughs> maybe 60. 
No, I don't know what the range would be. We didn't have a chance to tow, but it speaks to it being built. It's essentially a heavy-duty truck, or at least a very close to a heavy-duty truck. Mm-hmm. Um, and the power? Dude. I'm really curious. I know there's all about Rivian, but you drove the Hummer recently. I did. Now I want to, because to me those we'll are- We'll talk about the Hummer next episode. I get it. I get it. But to me, those are very similar. Like if I'm on the fence about buying a Rivian mm-hmm. and I'm looking at the Hummer, that's a tough one. I'm, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Oh, geez. Just let's, let's focus on Rivian okay. right now. I, okay. Focus, right. focus. And in sport mode, zero to 60 is something like what, 2.9 seconds or something? It's, it's, it's the strangest- feeling there's almost no sound except for the motor and the tires and even off-road it's it's the same thing um it's such a different driving experience there's way less fatigue um this particular model that we're in right now has a 300 mile range battery pack there's a 400 mile range uh, option coming uh, later next year and with this uh, package we've been seeing about 160 to 190 on our trail days and close to 300 on our road days with a vehicle that has rooftop tent on it four people in it fully loaded i mean we're probably pushing 8500 pounds the uh vehicle and base trim is about 7000 pounds so they're not light they're sort of like a mid-size plus they're not quite a half ton size but they're bigger than your typical colorado or ranger or tacoma and uh for that the the visibility, maneuverability, comfort inside, all that's been there. I already talked about the ride quality. Um, One of the things you'll notice is when you're off-roading is we've run into so many animals, not literally, except for the few birds, RIP birds. Frank hit a couple birds. Did he really? Yeah. They could because they just don't know they, that it's a vehicle. It just is so quiet, and we had a couple stuck in the grill. So again, that is the that's an unintended consequence. You know what I mean? Uh, R.I.P. Birds, just like I said there. Um, moment of silence. Okay, continue. Um, but they don't hear you coming. They don't hear the engine exhaust, and for some reason, the tires on the gravel they just must figure it's another animal because we've been up on elk, antelope, deer. Mountain goats, sheep, cow, horses, birds, lizards. Even a chipmunk. Chipmunk, groundhogs. Uh, I think we even saw a beaver. So it's been pretty crazy how close you can get to wildlife before they even realize that you're there. And I'm talking like five feet. Like the mirror being a couple arm lengths away from a deer's butt. You understand that you just discovered a problem. Like a real problem. Maybe or maybe not. Or did I just discover a way for you to not bother nature when you're out there? I, no, I no. Know. What you just discovered. No, I'm, not going, I'm not going negative on this. No, I'm it's, saying, it's dude, easy to do let's that. be honest. This is going to, Sierra Club is going to go batty when when deer start getting mowed over by silent running vehicles. No, that's that. That's not the point of that. I'm not going negative. I'm not, I, what I'm trying to express is that you can get right up to nature in a way where in a internal combustion vehicle- I got that part. That was I think not they, brain surgery to figure out what you're saying. I got that. You can well, roll right up I, on wildlife because they don't know that you're not- they, a, Or they don't care. Or they don't care. Because well, you're, I, you're, it's like the tires and the gravel are like hooves or something. They're I, not I, hearing an unnatural I sound. I get that. And that's awesome. Yeah. That you're but I don't be, know why you're going negative No, on because you just made a discovery. Uh, all right. That's a discovery that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I, th- I think it's a discovery that is going to be positive because wheelers who are going on electric mode, who are silent, it's it's less noise pollution and all that kind of stuff. That And potentially more dead animals. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. All right. Moving right along. Um, the seats in this thing are super comfortable. They definitely rival. We're big fans of the Nissan Zero Gravity seats. Uh, definitely rival those in terms of all-day comfort. 
probably some of the most comfortable seats on the market. Um, and you know, the, the thing is that this thing has all the features you want. Um, one of the great things about this trip is we've been hanging out with uh, Rivian folks who are in design and engineering and all that. And we're like the last group to validate before these things go on sale in September to help kind of dial in some of the features. And I would say that it's a feature rich vehicle and there's a few, there's a little bit of tweaking that needs to be done to just make them accessible, but all the things you want the vehicle to do, it can definitely do. So the vehicle has a ton of features to it. Um, there's just some tweaks that need to be made to the UX, but it's just growing stuff. It's nothing that is a deal breaker by any means. And it's cool because we've been out on the trail and we even made it to Reddit when some people figured out um, we were testing Rivians. Yeah, the Reddit wow. forum caught us along the way and took pictures of our campsite one night and said, uh, a bunch of Rivians, but nobody made the connection that we were the same group of people that the Reddit forum had been seeing in the East Coast. And we're in the middle of the country and they're taking pictures of the same, hey, I saw some Rivians. Because there, at the time, there were a bunch of Rivians all over the country doing final testing that didn't have camo. But people hadn't realized they didn't put it together that we were going from East Coast to West Coast, which was kind of cool because you're like, crap, we got spotted. We're outed on Reddit. And then it's like, well, but they don't fully know what's going on. All right. All right. Keep it going. Hey, do you think that um, the Rivians are going to be the darling of the tech industry, the geekery that that the Cybertruck was? Because, you know, like you're... Um, uh, yeah, all the, all the YouTubers were all flown out to the Cybertruck event and, uh, you know, like they are, they go to the, all the Apple events, stuff I like that. I, I, don't, I, I don't get Rivian being like a culty thing. Well, that's why I'm it might, it might be. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I feel like they, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not approaching it from that aspect. I'm purely approaching it from, I got to drive a vehicle of the future and I'm really trying to wrap my head around it and see if I like it, how it works, how the technology works. I didn't put any thought into, like, that kind of stuff. Were, are you aware of who was on the other legs? Like, was Marquez Brownlee or something on another leg? What are you talking about? I'm saying on another... It was multiple legs. Yeah, it was all Motor Trend. It was our, oh. an exclusive Motor Trend deal that we have been working two years to put together. I didn't know you had the whole thing. Yeah. The, I just thought it was your leg. No, there was no... Oh, there hot were, damn. No, this was a 100% a Motor Trend deal, editorial... That we've been working with them that that they said, all right, we choose 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 you. And that's just got radder. That's what I'm saying. That's why it was such an epic trip. This wasn't your typical press invite. This was, you guys have the vehicle over a month before anyone else, other than our friend Emmy Hall, who has raced it in Rebel Rally. Yeah, buddy. And I think Emmy was even a little bit hurt that you know she's like friend of me with us. <laughs> like I think she, her and I even talked, and she's like, I'm super jealous. And by the way, you guys weren't the first one to drive it, but I'm also super stoked that my friends got to experience it too. Mm, nice. She yeah, was sort yeah. of like like backhanded compliment. Yeah, it was like a uh, a hate hate love comment. I see. You know. Anyway, we still love Amy. We've had literally scores of people on the trail asking about it. People who don't know about it are, you know, asking where they can find out more. They know it just looks different and it's quiet. They're like, what is that? And then there's been a ton of people that are, oh my god, this is the first time I saw Rivian. Literally as much fanfare with this as when I uh, was driving the Bronco in Austin uh, a couple months ago. It's it's really amazing to be a part of the first group to uh, get these things out in the wild uncamoed outside of Rivian themselves and, and be able to interact with people who are uh, our customers. And a lot of people are, you know, asking, is it worth it? You know, do you like it? Yeah, this this is a real vehicle that can do all the stuff that you want to do. The, like I said, the features are there. This isn't a science project. 
it's even has a nicer interior than competing vehicles on the market it's not sparse like a tesla where there's no soul to it there's no there's no warmth like you want to spend time in it and it's got a really great meridian uh, sound system in it too and uh, a few different colors that you can get it's it's pretty cool uh, plus the rivian team's gonna have a ton of accessories one of the ones that we've used a lot is the camp kitchen so because it has a single body and it doesn't have a pickup bed under the rear seats there's a what they call the gear tunnel and in that gear tunnel is a ton of storage one of our we've had two trucks on this trip one of them has the camp kitchen on a slide which is incredible it's got a dometic induction cooktop and let me just add that we're driving at like 50 60 miles an hour during this interview you can just hear how quiet the inside is there's no wind noise there's a little bit of road noise from the tires and that's it um so anyway, just uh, pay attention to the background noise. And you gloss right over the fact that it's got a Meridian sound system. I have not heard that. Now, Meridian is famous in the home audio. Yeah. Uh, arena. Uh, just like Jeep has done uh, the Macintosh in their new high, uh, those are their new high-end systems. Hmm. So I think there's some, you know, brand did, equity. Did you turn it up? How did it sound? It sounded awesome. Okay. Yeah, it was great. It's got a sink. It's got uh, Snow Peak uh, accessories for uh, utensils and dishware and all that kind of stuff. And the other one's empty. We've just been shoving so much gear in there. Keeps the dust totally out and even the uh, pass-through in the rear seat, you can reach into the tunnel. So if you want to keep you know, something back there and reach it while you're driving or have the rear seat passengers grab something, they can do it. It's really awesome. But they're also going to have a bunch of other accessories. We've had their uh, Yakima rooftop tents, had a chance to sleep in those. They've got crossbars, all, all sorts of stuff. So let's talk about how this thing drives. For me, uh, in 90% of everything, maybe 95, it's incredible. The amount of torque, the amount of power, the amount of speed, the steering wheel, perfectly weighted, direct feedback. Um, there's a bunch of different drive modes that actually do something. So you have uh, things like all-purpose. Hey, d- a dumb question, uh, as I do so well. It's, it's steer-by-wire, I assume, right? Drive-by-wire? Steer-by-wire. Drive-by-wire? Drive, fine. Drive-by-wire. <laughs> okay. Um, Drive-by-wire is typically what I think I, I of don't, like, I, uh, you know, electronic I, fuel. I think so. I, don't, I actually don't know if there's a steering shaft physically connected to the wheels. Because I was going to sure. ask if it is steer-by-wire. Yeah, I think there's got to be there's got to be a steering shaft because you got to have you have to have some sort of redundancy if the electronics fail to still steer the vehicle because if your steering goes down, you're that's it. So I would assume there's a connection. It feels like there's a connection because there's actually road feel into the wheel. I should probably know that, and, and I, I don't know that off the top of my head. Huh, interesting. Which you'll be in most of the time, sport, conserve mode that goes to front-wheel drive, off-road with a bunch of settings like rock crawl, rally, and drift. By the way, this thing drifts awesome. Drift actually overdrives the rear tires and feels a little artificial. Rally on uh, these roads is where it's at. That's by far the most fun. And then also a, a towing mode. By the way, rally is the most fun because that is the one where it lets you play the most and kick the rear out. Drift mode, because it overdrives the rear wheels, like a Focus RS or something like mm-hmm. that, it just, it's not calibrated super well. So to me, it felt weird, like it wasn't smooth to drive through. Whereas in uh, in rally mode, that was drift mode, in rally mode, you just motor. It's freaking fun to toss that thing. All that torque, stomp on it. There's no lag. There's no engine coming up to the boil. It's just all good. You know what's crazy is they can what you just complained about, like oh that the drift mode. They can fix that in a software. Yeah, well for sure. But it's got a big old screen in the center, uh, but also has a, a driver information screen that's unique to the driver. So it's not like everything is on a center display where you have to take your eyes off the road. So that's really cool. Um, it maneuvers great. It's quiet. It's one of the best riding trucks out there. Period. Um, and it's just overall, it's just a really really impressive package. Some of the things that you know are worth noting is. The regen 
is powerful enough. There's four settings. Uh, on, the, on the top couple settings, it's powerful enough for you to do one pedal drive where the regen slows the vehicle down. This is great for off-roading when you're going down trails and things like that where you can get back a lot of power. I think yesterday we started Black Bear 180 uh, miles and by the time we're at the bottom, we had like 200 miles of range. Uh, realistically, you know, we've been doing, you know, pretty long days with just a, a fast charge to top off in the middle. So, so it can definitely be done. You, you do have to plan on your trips a little bit more. It's not necessarily a spur of the moment, but overall it's, it's really awesome. And if you have the time to plan something out to know where the chargers are, you know, of course that's only going to get better. Um, you can go pretty deep in the backcountry. 180 miles, you know, conservatively is, is a lot of range. And uh, we've been all over, you know, on this leg we started in Oklahoma and we ended up in Utah and we never ran out of uh, f fuel, if you will. We did get the battery down to zero miles, but there's a limp mode that shuts everything off and conserves. And we were about four or five miles away from our uh, charging destination and we made it. Uh, that was the only time I really felt range anxiety. And it's funny because that's something we bring up. We've talked about other electric companies and how range anxiety is a, a real thing for adventure trucks. And the other electric companies are like, yeah, we have 150 miles. Well, you're double that with the, uh, with the Rivian in real world use. So. And what I mean by that is some of the other companies have a 150-mile range, period. Total, and on the Rivian, road. It, right. So we were getting off-road range more than what their on-road range was. And that's what my point is that you do have to plan ahead. Range anxiety is a thing. You still have to. You're not just going to go off-roading tomorrow. You're going to say, okay, I'm going to do this route, and then I know where my chargers are, my charging opportunities. So you, that's still a thing. But 150 miles off-road, 180 miles off-road, that's, that's real – distance. Yeah. And then Rivian's experimenting with some other stuff. I think they call it the digital fuel can where you can add auxiliary battery packs that can give you some range. The one of the cool things about it is if you put the transmission, if you will, obviously it doesn't have a transmission in reverse and you have to if say you're at zero and you have to get towed out or you're running out of charge and somebody has to tow you somewhere, it'll actually start recharging the batteries in tow mode and you're actually putting electrons back in it. So hopefully at some point you'll have enough added electricity to get you, you know, on your own to the next the next charging station. So they have thought about ways of increasing range or an emergency situation. When we got down to zero, um, we probably went another 15 miles with it at zero and it just kept shutting things down. It would say, battery critically low, pull over now. And then it was like, AC goes off. And then it was like, um, the radio goes off. Radio goes off. And then it was like, oh, we can't go over 30 miles an hour. But to their credit, we never ran out of juice. We were able to make it to our destination. So they definitely have th thought process. You don't just stop and die. I wonder what um, climate is going to, uh, what, what kind of an effect it'll have. Well, I mean, you know, cold weather. Heat and cold are probably not great. We were in over 100 degree weather. Uh, I will say cold the, is the, a lot worse than heat. The AC wasn't great either because they use the same system that uses, that cools the AC also thermally uh, manages the battery pack. Mm. So like if we were charging at a, at a you know, charging station, like a level three, it's a fast charger on a hundred degree day. Well, the battery charging makes so much heat that it has, you know, we'd be sitting in the car and the AC would be on while we're on our laptops waiting for it to charge up doing our thing. Then all of a sudden it would get warm inside because the AC would be uh, less efficient because all that cooling was being used to cool the battery pack. So, you know, it's, again, it's not perfect, but Understanding how it works goes a long way to making you go, okay, I get it. We have a Ram TRX, which you guys know I love. 
uh, with us as our support vehicle and we've actually had more range anxiety with that because of uh, the photo and video team driving ahead and, and you know all that kind of stuff we've been getting you know single digit miles per gallon so we really had to watch that more than we had to watch the uh, the R1Ts which is really cool so um, going back to driving I think off-roading is the is the biggest um, place where you want to figure out what exactly the Rivian's all about. How do you equate something that has four motors to something that has one engine, differentials, a T-case, and gearing? And an internal combustion engine, you need low range, you need gearing, because that gearing essentially is what gets you to move at the speed that you want. Uh, locker, same deal, because your power source is coming from one central location and you have to split it up and then lock them together. Well, in an electric vehicle, you don't need to have low range gearing because the, the motors can be controlled individually and 100% torque at zero RPM, which makes driving off-road really incredible. Um, you don't have a locker. You basically have to, you know, program the motors to run at the same speeds um, in order to act like a locker. So how does it work? Well, the truth is it works pretty good. And unlike some uh, air suspensions, because of the hydraulic component in the Rivian, even in the higher settings, you still have suspension compliance. So it's not like you know driving a, a Jeep WK2 Grand Cherokee or an earlier Land Rover where you put it in the highest setting and there's no down travel, there's no droop, there's no up travel. It just is pumped all the way up. The Rivian still has a lot of articulation. And for me, this is probably the best chassis out there that's all independent for a vehicle that's uh, you know basically made for off-roading and things like that. And I think that's what makes Rivian different. They're actually promoting this as a... Um, adventure truck versus just a commuter and so there's a lot of compromises that come in that uh, for example the tires you know how do you get a, a low rolling resistant tire that has you know enough tread and traction for you on a ton of different surfaces we've literally been on gravel mud sand highway i mean you name it we've we've basically touched it all except for snow on this trip really the off-road capability is all in the tuning and i would say that they're about 95 percent there the only place where I found you know, a fault in the vehicle that I think can be pretty easily um, remedied is in rock crawl mode, just coming down off an obstacle because it holds it in certain settings. In rock mode, it, it doesn't have an auto hold, but if you stop, it's still gonna hold the vehicle, so you have to drive out of it. So instead of one pedal driving, you have to sort of two pedal drive it. And because of that, um, it can be a little lurchy or a little jerky on the low end to kind of get the vehicle moving again and things like that. So the great thing about having the, Riv the Rivian team with us is they're taking notes and looking at the practical application for all of these things as we're using it. So we're validating how something gets used and they're making changes that are going to be on an over-the-air update later on, which is really uh, awesome. It's not too often you get to be in a brand new vehicle where uh, you have the, the people responsible for how it feels, you know, taking notes and, and going to make direct changes to make it better for the customer. So Frank, anything else that I missed just on a brief overview that you, that you like, or that the Rivian changed your mind on or, you know, influenced you or anything like that? The UX needs a few little tweaks here and there. Uh, but I, it's all easy. And if we were here going, gosh, I love your UX. And if you just could get that suspension a little bit better off, we'd be in trouble, but they, they got all, all the important stuff pretty well nailed and uh, it's just little tiny tweaks now. What was your uh, favorite part of the trip in this vehicle? Watching you take it down Black Bear Pass was, uh, was probably the, one of the highlights. 
Uh, and that was a time, and you didn't get a chance to see this, but I would be outside quite often and when you had a, a wheel in the air, and I could see that it was indexing at exactly the same speed as the one that was on the ground. And that was very telling. Was it impressive when I saved myself from not falling off the mountain? Well, I do really appreciate that you always remembered to have a hard foot on the brake when we go into reverse or from reverse to drive because it does get loose in those. If you're downhill, you're going to go a few feet. Yeah, so that was one of the weird things. When you're shifting between uh, forward and back, there's no parking pole. There's no index. It's in true neutral. So if you would take your foot off the brake, it would just start rolling. Mm. On those, so you'd have to two-foot it there. And then when I was uh, guiding the TRX around, the uh, corner that you commented on on the video actually fell down the, the face of the hill about four feet mm-hmm. and caught my foot on a rock and pulled myself back up and everybody thought I was gone. I'm like, nope, still here. Wait, you personally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I slid down. I stepped <laughs> off the trail and went down about four feet. <laughs> and uh, so there's video of it. Um, they didn't put that in that video because right? they rather not see that I almost <laughs> fell off the mountain. But it happened. Rivian kills journalists. Uh, nope. Journalists killed while spotting uh, TRX. I see. Oh, really? Journalists killed on Black Bear, not in vehicle. How did the TRX do on Black Bear? It, it did. I mean, literally, I'm not kidding you. There's f- photos. Less than an inch of clearance from the body fender to the wall. Oh. So uh, Hummer- now, How freaked were the camera guys? Because they- Oh, probably... they were pretty freaked. Um, they were freaked seeing that. I mean, they were they walked the whole way. Oh, they did? Um, the, Wait, how far is it? How so Eight miles? They walked eight miles. Yeah. Well, at least the last four were the switchbacks are, yeah. Why? So they could film. Oh, okay. So it wasn't because they were scared. Well, they didn't want to be in the vehicle either. I mean, there's no there's times where if you open your door to get out, there is no place to get out. It's that narrow. There's uh How do they grade it? Tractor? A grader? Yeah. I mean, there's a bulldozer that the county has. Okay. Um, but the uh, and that guy is probably the the has the craziest job. Um I think a Hummer H1 is 85 inches wide. Uh, TRX is 88 inches wide. So the previously the widest thing that's ever been on there really is a Hummer H1. Wow. And this is w- you know wider than that. And it's way wide at the fenders. So even though the track is certain wide because you've got the blisters on the fender to cover the 35s, we were so close to scraping rock walls. Like you could barely slide a credit card between it and Oof. then the edge. That's why the TRX out here in the parking lot of Motor Trend looks so filthy. It's just, it's beaten. I'm surprised you guys didn't. It's like a trophy now. You're not going to wash it? No, I, two uh, shows we've done now since you've been back. Yeah. And uh, it's filthy. No yeah, one's going to wash it. When 7,700 miles off road, it's, uh, that's Motor Trends. Mine is clean. But they didn't uh, didn't take any paint off on that trail? Uh, not on that trail, but okay. they uh, it slid into a tree once, and that's where the big dent in the fender is. S- let me ask you about those turns, because those turns were, I've been on plenty of switchbacks. I have, but those looked abnormally tight. Uh, they are. That's part of the magic of Black Bear. So how did you get that TRX around him? Because that, that turning you radius is not great. It. No, you just it's more than a three-point turn, and you got to have a driver that knows what he's doing and a spotter that's willing to f- go off the road to make room for the truck, like me. Wee. Is there anything that, you know, you've been in a lot of EV vehicles. In fact, we were at a charging station. A guy walked up and said, oh, my God, that's Frank from Motor Trend, the EV guy. Um, so you've been in a lot of EVs, you've done a lot of videos, a lot of riding. How does the Rivian compare to anything else that you've been in, and how do you think it's a, a different product than what's out there currently, or what's on the way? Well, it is white space for now, for sure. They will be first to market with a truck, uh, and it is going to be the only uh, bespoke adventure vehicle truck. Uh, I mean, we see the Ford F-150 Lightning coming, 
they're done their level best to keep as much F-150 as they could in that one so that all the aftermarket stuff works and I get it that makes a lot of sense but it's it's going to be an electric F-150 this is not an electric Colorado Tacoma you know it's nothing like that it's its own thing uh, and it, like we had a guy yesterday who said I've got a couple Teslas I'm, I'm gonna get one of these because a Tesla can't do everything you need to do in your life you, you need a truck for some stuff and uh, or you need an SUV that's a real SUV I mean the, the Tesla Model X you know, low ground clearance. There's a lot of stuff that can't do that an R1S will be able to do. So it, it does look like some pretty good white space we're filling here. So you spent plenty of time in real pickup trucks. So you liked your long-term uh, Ram 2500 that you guys had in Motor Trend. You used it at your lake house and on your property. Do you consider the R1T a real truck? Definitely a real truck. Uh, I'm not going to do most of the stuff I did with that uh, 2500 Cummins. Uh, there's a lot of stuff uh, that I could do that this one can't. But uh, yeah, I think so many people buy pickup trucks because they want to sit up high and they want to do gardening and so forth 10% of their time or 2% of their time. This will do all that super easy. I love the electric tonneau cover that rolls up and goes out of the way. Just push a button. It's a billion times better than the... Uh, tonneau cover we got on the Ram TRX here, which is the same design as I, as I had on my 2500. So yeah, there's a lot of neat things, and I think it'll be as much a truck as most people need in a truck. What do you tell the hardcore off-road guy or truck guy who has solid axles, has a diesel engine or something like that, and says, uh, I don't know, convince me. What would be your, your, your major statement to convince somebody that they can trust this to do truck things? Well, as long as the person we're talking to doesn't live in, in the backwoods of Alaska, uh, really and truly, the wheeling kind of stuff uh, is, it burns very little fuel, you know, electricity here. So you can go uh, do a lot of wheeling in this thing. Um, again, it's that if you got to go, if you got to go 600 miles uh, in between stops, you know, my 2500 Cummins is the, is the rig for that. Uh, most other people, I, truly, uh, the notion of, peak torque at zero RPM is ideal for rock crawling. Uh, you don't need any of these band-aids of, of lockers and so on as long when you've got four wheels powered by electric motors each and zero torque, zero RPM torque. Uh, it's a terrific solution for that problem. I don't know that I'm going to buy one. Maybe not quite there. Maybe I'll wait a couple generations. Uh, but, but listen, this is what I'll tell everybody who's on the fence going, no, Holman, you're a sellout. What are you doing? We know electric vehicles are coming. Even if you're not into an electric vehicle or electric truck yet, they're going to come. They're going to be a part of your life at some point. Just know, I can tell you truthfully, after being on this trip, getting this opportunity, that the Rivian proves that there are people out there who still care about the hardcore truck guy and are trying to build a product that you guys will appreciate. And it may not be there for everybody yet in terms of all the capability, but I think that it's one of those deals where as long as you know people care about what your use case is and they're trying to solve it for you, there's going to be an option for you when the time comes if you do decide you need to or want to swap over to EV. This is the best example so far, and we're in the super early days of this transition. Um, so for me, I still like my pickup trucks. I still like my solid axles. I still like all that. But if I had to go to an EV truck out of the things that are coming out, it would definitely be the, the, the Rivian. I don't need the weirdness of the uh, Cybertruck. Sorry, Lightning. Go get your 100 bucks back. Um, the F-150, to me, is is still an F-150. So why not just buy an F-150? Uh, but the, the R-1T is truly something new in the space. 
and it has all the attributes I've been really impressed with. There's a little bit of tweaking that these guys are going to do, and we'll get a chance to drive one down the line. Essentially flawless, except for a couple screen restarts on this pre-production software. We haven't really had an issue. The only major issue we've had on our trip is we had to replace the strut because of a, uh, a valve went bad on it, and we could have driven the rest of the trip on it, no problem, but engineering wanted it back for analysis right away. So the guy swapped the strut in the parking lot. We have no, had no issues since then. All right, well, uh, that's, uh, that's my, uh, my quick review on the R1T. We're going to try and hook up with some Rivian folks for a uh, second partner of this, so you guys can kind of hear from, uh, from the horse's mouth, if you will. But, uh, again, really impressed and uh, looking forward to getting some more seat time in the future. So there you go, Rivian R1T. I feel like I was there. Got one piece of uh, audio left for you. All right, so here we go. This is uh, zero to like 100 in the R1T with three people in a loaded bed. Ready? Go. I will, how about I will ring the bell when it hits 60. All right. And keep in mind, this is probably 8,000 pounds of Rivian yeah, going put, down the road. Put your mic closer to the, uh, to the bell. It'll be fine. Okay. It's like a time it off my phone. What? Hundred. Oh my god. Hundred and four. All right, do that again. Do that again. <laughs> Replay that. Hold on. Do that again. And hold on. I'm gonna bring that. I want to hear this. So tell me when you hit the the throttle. Okay. I guess it's not even a throttle. It's a accelerator pedal. Okay. I move the mic over here. Here we go. Go. It's like a time it off my phone. <laughs> Damn, that's fast. I ended the video at 104. Have you been on Accelerator at Knott's Berry Farm? No. Okay. No, I have not. Mm. All I can tell you is that that's the, a, that's you know that's the right. It's all yeah, yeah, yeah. you know electric and it just zero to 100 in like 70 feet. Yeah, all, whatever it is. All I can tell you is this particular vehicle <clears throat> and the one we'll talk about next week. It's so fast. It lacks so many outside cues and visceralness. That all that you literally feel the adrenaline dump in your entire body. That's the only way I can describe it. Uh, similar in launch control mode. When with you say TRX, dump, meaning you're feeling the adrenaline, you you're... feel your entire body react as it just drops adrenaline in your body. Wow, um, the that TR sounds exciting. The TRX in launch control mode. The Nissan GTR is another vehicle where I've felt that. I have felt that as well. The, Almost scary, but. This and the other vehicle that I just drove, uh, it's it's funny that for, you know, the difference between 2.9 and like 4.2, that second, that that difference, right? That's it. It's it's, it's that second is wild. I, I, don't, I don't even know. Can you imagine it. being a top fuel dragster driver, zero to 300 in yeah. less than three seconds. I mean, I don't zero I, to three hundred. How, how do you keep blood in your brain? I don't. That's yeah. I. I don't know. I've been in a. I've, we talked about it before in a Red Bull uh, uh, air race plane, and I wasn't able to keep blood in my brain. I almost you, passed out. Yeah. You. I don't. I think it's just training, right? All. All I know is, damn. <laughs> uh, I like the review. I'm excited by it. I think that. Oof. Holman's going over the dark side, kids. I mean, maybe, maybe. Uh, I am getting a. Uh, I did just have the garage wired, uh, hundred amp uh, sub panel, so I could put an electric charger there. You're spoiled. I mean, you get to 
try all these things that uh, we'd have to go out and buy just to use. Well, I'm just I'm just trying to explain to everybody my experience so that you're well informed. That's I, all. I mean, you're doing a good job of it. I I do appreciate it. I as a consumer, I don't know what I'm buying yet. I'm dying to hear about the Hummer because I do think the Hummer is gonna capture the hearts and minds of people. I think it's a it's a story no, brand. No, what'll happen is it'll be your typical Hummer comes in, all good intentions, vegan interior, it's all electric, it's bold in your face, everything that Hummer was, but it's environmentally friendly. And then somebody will go, Well, that's the most inefficient EV and it sucks in more. Oh, if you have a coal powered plant, you're having, you know, somebody's going to complain about it. Maybe. There's just nothing you can do about it. I mean, it. look, it's, it, yeah, some rapper is going to get an early release version of it, some hip hop star, and he's going to roll over a grandma in no, a. No, it, it already has 24s on it. They don't even need to do anything with it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, well, you go to 30s because 24s are small these days, you know? <laughs> you got to, you know, got to roll the, uh, the triples. Uh, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's knock out some news real quick. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ah! Oh, for laryngitis, that was pretty strong, Mr. I don't Holland. have it now. Oh, okay. Hey, uh, you're, you're a little scratchy. Yeah, a little so, scratchy. Lightning, did you hear? How about... No. No, I did Actually, not. did hear because I told you about this uh, earlier in the show, but... Oh. I uh, just was going to hit up on the uh, the Nismo off-road parts for the 2022 Frontier that just got released. Uh, so um, some of the uh, uh, parts were 4-inch uh, lights, Overland bed rack, rooftop tent, and a performance exhaust. So uh, there's going to be – I talked to the guys over at Nissan, and they're planning some big changes with um, uh, upgraded suspension. Uh, there's a lot more to come. They're really when trying to build. Can we get someone from Nissan on to talk about the Nismo stuff? Uh, I just need to get Carl to uh, say yes. I'm sure, you would do it. Okay. Yeah. No. No problem. Add it to the calendar. All right. Make it so. Hey, Lightning. Did you hear? What? No. No, I did not. You did not hear. I about don't think this. so. Oh. Uh, Ford's spending big on electric F series and battery plants. They're investing eleven point four billion dollars on a new plant to make the electric. F-Series, and three battery plants for future EVs. They are going all in. Uh, the th- uh, three separate gigawatt factories are uh, in a joint venture with SK Innovation, which will allow the automaker to make its own batteries in Tennessee and Kentucky. Uh, that way, uh, they're not tied to another uh, somebody else's supply chain. Mm. And you know that uh, lots of Chevy Bolts have been catching on fire with the LG battery packs. I think Ford wants to avoid having uh, outside suppliers uh, get them in that type of situation. Gotcha. So, Anyway, uh, Ford thinks one-third of all F-Series will be electric by 2030. Whew. So that's a lot that's of a lot damn of trucks. trucks. Yeah. It's through about 300,000 or so. Um, hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. No, I did not. Well, then let me let me tell you, my friend. We talked about the Jeep Wrangler 392. And the Rubicon getting the Extreme Recon package with 35-inch tires. Uh, Jeep recently announced they're actually going to add that to the lower trim level Willys model. Or Willis, depending on how you like to say it. Uh, so you can now Which get, one is correct? Do we know? Uh, Willis is correct. Okay. Willys is what people say. Uh, the 35-inch Recon package will now be available on the lower trim level, so you don't have to step all the way up to a 392 or a Rubicon to get it. So uh, I think that's pretty uh, pretty cool. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. Uh, electric auto. Well, this one you may have heard. I may have mentioned it a few minutes ago. Okay. Uh, electric automaker Rivian has big plans to expand its portfolio beyond the R1T and R1S, and might be uh, building an electric Jeep Wrangler fighter. Yes. Yes. I mean, 
if it's any uh, if it's anything like the R1T, it'll be pretty cool. Although okay. uh, maybe they should go after Bronco with their IFS. I still want solid axles on my Jeep. Don't take them away, Jeep. You can you have independent on everything else. Just leave the stupid solid axles on my Jeep. Easy to lift, easy to do it in my garage, affordable. Just please, Jim Morrison, you're listening. I'm begging of you, leave my solid axles alone. All right, uh, lighting. Did you hear? No. No, I did not. Uh, Ford is uh, now offering the 2022 Expedition, which just got refreshed, in the Timberline package. And apparently Timberline is going to be there. Like the boots? Uh, I don't know if it's uh, tied in with the boot manufacturer or not. We got a light, very light tan color with a uh, soft tops, like a high top. Okay. Yeah, no? Yep. Nope. Or uh, like the wrapper. Not Timberland. Oh. No, nope, okay. not that either. Uh. Uh, Ford will be improving the Expedition with uh, off-road enhanced springs and sway bars, uh, along with off-road tuned steering. Tires are 265-70-18 Goodyear Wranglers, which are 33s, uh, 10.5 inches wide. They'll be mounted on 18-inch black aluminum wheels that feature laser engraved Timberline logos, Mm -hmm. the uh, Goodyear tires, a locking uh, differential, and seven selectable modes. Um, the Expedition Timberline is also the first vehicle outside of Bronco to feature a tra- uh, trail turn assist, which uses the uh, brake on the inside wheel to pivot on so you can turn tighter. Oh, that's cool. And the Expedition Timberline will get uh, uh, unique front and rear fascias, so it'll have an impressive 28.5-degree approach angle, 23.7-degree departure angle, and best-in-class 10.6 inches of ground clearance. Um, you can expect the 3.5-liter EcoBoost V6. Uh, producing 440 horsepower and uh, 510 pound-feet of torque. And they're also going to have a giant uh, portrait screen that sticks up above the dash just for lighting. No. <laughs> Car crash? <laughs> I don't you know. cut it off? What is no. that? Uh, you'll be able to get Pro Trailer Backup Assist and uh, the Expedition for 2022. Maximum towing uh, increases to 9,300 pounds, uh, which is pretty damn impressive. They didn't say what the Timberline will. Um, the nice thing is uh, version 2.0 of the Pro Trailer Backup Assist system will work without the need for stickers on the trailer or for trailer dimensions to be put in the system. So they'll use cameras to automatically determine the trailer's location, making the experience far more user-friendly. Uh, the interior also is not a ripoff of the F-150 and now looks a little bit uh, more at home in the Expedition, which is kind of nice. Um, I think the uh, overall, it's a you know, pretty nice package. Head over to Motor Trend uh, to the four-wheeler section where you can uh, take a look at some photos of that. We still talking about the Expedition? Hey, uh, Lighting, did you hear? No! No, I did not. Funny story. We had mentioned a couple episodes ago that the 2022 Bronco Raptor, or I like to call it the Braptor, the Braptor yep. is on its way. Uh, apparently, uh, Jim Farley, CEO of Ford Motor Company, uh, dropped official confirmation that the Bronco was happening on Twitter, and uh, he noted, quote unquote, hold on to your butts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my kind of CEO right there. So um, Hold on to your butts, folks. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure what that means. We're pretty sure that it's going to have 37s and be... Wow. Um, How bummed is everyone else like uh, our friend Jerry Camberg who had to build his? You know what I mean? He couldn't just buy it that way. Yeah, but Jerry would get a a Braptor and he would build it anyway. That's true, yeah. And it would probably be extra awesome. That's true. With uh, extra awesome sauce. What I'm wondering is what engine does it get? 
Does it get the V8? <sighs> they should. I don't know. Does it? Yeah. I mean, what, we don't know what the Raptor R is getting yet, right? Nope. Well, we think we, we do. We think it's the Voodoo, right? Yeah. But does it get a 5-liter V8? Does it get a 6.2-liter Voodoo? Or does it get the 3.5 EcoBoost because that's not available in the Bronco? Don't know. Don't know. Moving right along. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. No. Honda Passport, Trail Sport. I saw it at, uh, at Expo. <laughs> and it was uh, a lot of cladding on that guy. It was. Yeah! <laughs> we playing this one again? Yeah, because I wouldn't want this news. I don't had know, a, uh, I don't sit through it. He had, yeah, thank you. Uh, had lots of cladding and a rooftop tent and a uh, full size spare mounted on the hitch. Did that weigh it down? Yeah, Did it flatten I would the suspension? Say that is likely. Okay. Um, I mean, good for good for uh, Honda for being there. Jeep wasn't there. Ram was. Right. And uh, Honda said, "All right, well, if Jeep's not going to be there. We're going to try and do Jeepy things with our." Uh, passport and uh, it's got that ugly ridgeline nose on it kind of a pug flat nose thing but uh, yeah yeah I saw two brand new ridgelines on the road uh, just yesterday and, and, I thought, and you were all over it I was like uh, suckers <laughs> Is that, did you yeah did you flag them down and yell suckers at them uh, I rolled the window down and uh, just said uh, I didn't I just drove by them and just mumbled them under my breath and said suckers just like that yeah suckers <laughs> <laughs> hey uh, lightning did you hear no uh, no, Lordstown Motors selling its plant that they got from GM that Ouch. we kind of talked about a little Ouch. bit. Ouch! To uh, Taiwan-based Foxconn, who builds basically Apple Apple products. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. I don't know if the report said what Foxconn would be there, but I do know that Foxconn has been uh, talking about building EVs for other people as a manufacturing Ooh. partner, like the Apple car, for example. Does it become the uh, place where the Apple car is built? I don't know what else Foxconn assembles other than Apple products. I'm sure they do. I would I, imagine. I'm sure someone listening knows. Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. Hold on to your butt. <laughs> All right, Holman, let's talk lemon law, if you'd like. Uh, why would you need a lemon law? There's no <laughs> horrible vehicles out there anymore. All vehicles are awesome and well-built, and there are no issues. Nobody listening to the show has ever had a bad vehicle. That they've bought brand new. Except for your co-host. Oh, yeah. You know what's funny is, knock on wood, I actually haven't had anything I've ever had to Lemon Law. But I do know a Lemon Law attorney, and it turns out our good friend Mike Rice, who uh, is now like, well, I guess, what is he, the GM of uh, Adventure Off-Road? Something like that. He's a muckety-muck. He used to work at a major OE on the OE side of the fence fighting Lemon Law claims. So, wait. He's the guy that was arguing with the your Lemon attorney. Law attorneys. Oh. Yeah. Want to call him? Yeah. Think you'll share uh, some Lemon Law stories with us? No. I don't either. Why don't you, okay. Here's what we'll do. We'll call him. Yeah. We'll talk about Adventure Off-Road, and then we'll sneak it in real soft-like. No, let's just go for it. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Holman, what's going on? <laughs> what, what, do you mean? what do you mean, Holman? There's two of us in here, Mr. Mike Rice. Uh, what's up, Lightning? How you do? I do well. Very right, well. well, indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Mike Rice. You may know him. No, you don't. You guys don't, you know, don't him. know him. We know him. We know from him Adventure well. Off Road. Yeah. Now, Wait, hey, what's your title there? Are you like GM or something? Or I you just I always see bossing people around and then making cool trucks come out the other end. That sounds uh, gross. <laughs> I guess my title is anything from uh, manager to janitor and everything in between. So I mean, there's that. That's okay. true. I have seen you, Janet. 
Janet. That's I short for janitoring, I think. No. Ah, there you go. I don't okay. think. So. I, I don't think that's what it means. Is that's not what that means. That's not what it okay, is. Okay, sorry. All right, hey, we uh, have to. Uh, we have to play a. Uh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you play that intro, play yeah. the other one. That's really painful because Mike was being sassy over text. And I told him, all right, just for that, pal, oh. you get the bad intro. Ouch. Here we go. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Vroom, vroom. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. It's time for the inside job. The inside. The inside. <laughs> the inside job. We'll talk to an industry expert about how things are working, work, work. The inside job is on now. All of our guests, they have the know-how. On the truck show, the truck show, the truck show. I forgot how epic this jingle was. I forgot how long it was. <laughs> All right, Mike Rice, th- thanks for tuning so, in. Uh, we'll talk to so you later. We played the bad one. We don't have any time to talk to you. Sorry, the uh, Joy Division version of our truck show, Inside Job. Dude, we killed this years ago because it was just too painfully long, and uh, we decided for you we're bringing it back. That is painfully long <laughs> and painful, so I'm glad that both of you have day jobs. <laughs> how are, dare you? Are you drinking right now? Sure. Why not? So, Mike has a uh, a podcast called uh, Dirt to Whiskey. I don't. Are you on hiatus? Or are you still making magic with that whole deal? We're planning on making magic. Uh, my co-host has moved away, and we're working through some technical issues on long distance podcasting. So that's still a thing. Uh, we're going to get back at it. But all right. Dirt to Whiskey. Def- you guys got to look for it. It's all the places where you can find this podcast. Uh, dirt to whiskey. I'm not familiar with podcasting. What are they? What do you do? And uh, is it live? Yes. Is it recorded? Yes, all of it. <laughs> okay. And uh, Mike will talk to you about off-roading and uh, his whiskey of the uh, of the episode. In your first whatever many episodes that you did, what was your favorite whiskey that you had? That's a tough one. That's like picking your favorite child. Uh, I like them all. Uh, I actually keep a spreadsheet of episodes, and they, it does have a column for whiskey. I don't know. I went back to the Clyde Mays um, six year. That's actually what I'm drinking right now. And that's really good, 102 proof. Since we were, woo, 102 proof. All right, so since we were four minutes late, are you at least two or three more uh, glasses in? Can we, uh, we were going to talk to you about Adventure Off-Road and, and what it's like to be a, uh, you know, a shop manager and building cool trucks. But then we realized that you hold the uh, keys to the kingdom of uh, how to deal with lemon laws. And we were hoping you were drunk enough to talk to us about that. Not drunk enough yet. And not drunk, <laughs> no, I, I did have a past dealing with lemon law. So what, what did you want to talk about first? Boy, where do we start? So I recently, my wife recently bought a vehicle. Every vehicle you buy is actually bought by somebody else. I It sucks. <laughs> I want to buy one. I, is that I, why you always take uh, credit for it? 
I when do I I don't take credit for her you're like, buying it. The truck that I bought, and then you look at me. Oh it's wait, my wife's. and then you're like the uh, Mercedes I bought. <laughs> nope, that my wife bought that. I just have a I have a I have difficulty with commitment when it comes to vehicle purchases. I think other than being married, I think this podcast is your longest commitment in your <laughs> life. I think so. <laughs> no, that's not true. K Rock was pretty long. I had, I had yeah, 26 years. Let's just get into the fact that we bought we bought a. Uh, this doesn't have to be about you. It doesn't. But uh, this. Uh, okay, then you talk about no, your time having no, a lemon. No, I'm just saying that we should just, I'm curious. Said person buys a vehicle and they're having problems. How does it start? Where does it go? And then how do people like Mike keep it from happening? So. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, we also want to know the scams that you had to see through as well, right? Because there's got to oh be God. a ton of people okay. that are scamming the company and I want to hear those stories as well. well yeah, I'm, I'm dying to know if... People just get uh, buyer's remorse and they make up all the stories to just return it because they realize they bought way out of their budget or something like that. Like maybe they used a false tax return in order to qualify for payments they could never possibly achieve. So what I have seen is people who buy the car, um, they have a change of fortunes. They can no longer afford the car. So they end up trying to get out of the car and they try to get the car bought back. So I've seen that. I've seen people who lease a car and then realize they can't afford the tires for it. You know, they would decline tires and then ask us to pair their brand new iPhone to their car because they couldn't figure that out. So I guess I'll preface this by saying I'm not an attorney. None of this should be construed as legal advice. So that sounds like you talked to an attorney before coming on the show, though, and you got your own legal advice. May or may not have happened. (laughs) So... I'm not going to tell you who I work for. Um, By the way, Mike, this I, is how Lightning and I start every show, is we say this is only our opinions. Neither of us are experts in anything. Uh, this show is for entertainment purposes only. No, no, no. no? We claim to be experts. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, we do? Yeah, yeah we That's fail. Perfect. That seems problematic. I mean, we fail a lot, but we claim it. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. In a nutshell, I work for a large auto manufacturer in a technical capacity dealing with lemon lawsuits. The company I worked for, loved the company I worked for, absolutely great, above board. Um, I really do enjoy, you know, the vehicles they make. Um, It's just when you deal with the absolute worst people in the world, it, it starts to wear on you. As a consumer, you do have rights. Um, you buy something and lemon law goes back to an actual thing of case law um, that's been on the books for 50 years. And that's called Song Beverly. 50 years ago, the American auto industry, as you and I both know, made deplorable cars. They would rust out before you made the last payment. The engines, if you were lucky, would last 100,000 miles. You put a new part on it, and it would immediately fail. So this actually came about because consumers were just getting hammered by terrible cars. The statute, as it was written, was written for a car 50 years ago that was, as we know, fairly simple to fix and fairly simple to maintain. That doesn't translate into what we obviously have going on with cars nowadays. Hybrids, electric cars, direct injection, turbos, very complex technology that's also very difficult to fix. So naturally, nothing is perfect, right? Everything has a failure rate from a very small failure rate to a very high failure rate. It affects every auto manufacturer. It doesn't matter what car you buy. When you get 
enough issues with a car, you start to get the feeling, hey, what did I sign on to? Is this car always going to have problems? Am I going to have issues the entire lifespan of this car? So the way the statute is written, a car is presumed a lemon when it basically you have 30 days down in 18 months. So that's a 30 cumulative days, not at one time. Um, four repair attempts for the same thing that, that has not been resolved by the fourth attempt or two safety items, or it detracts from the use value or safety of the vehicle. So you can imagine in this day and age, that's a pretty easy case to paint with most new vehicles. You know what I mean? You get cars that they, there's recall after recall after recall, and it could be a number of things for check engine lights and safety. So what would happen is we would have people who felt that their car was a lemon. Sometimes people would ask us to buy their car back or they would just go straight. As a consumer, it always gets you to try and work things out with the manufacturer first. There's definitely good lawyers out there that are consumer advocates. Um, you have a case, they evaluate it. Um, they will work with the manufacturer on your behalf and basically find out if you have a lemon or not. The counterpoint to that is there's absolutely terrible plaintiff's attorneys out there. And they will, we would get a buyback demand for a $30,000 car with a quarter of a million dollars in legal fees attached to it before they've done any work. Oh my so, God. Yeah. I've sat through depositions. At any given time, I had 50 to 60 lawsuits assigned to me personally. Um, and what I would do is I would get a case in evaluate it, basically talk to our in-house counsel um, if the case was legitimate or not. And some of them were, which we obviously would move to settle, but there are a lot that just aren't basically legitimate. So you would get the lawyers on the plaintiff side who go, oh yeah, you have a great case. Um, let us file a lawsuit and we'll do everything that we can to get as much money from you, uh, from them for you as we can, and so on and so forth. So it's the customer has to be their own advocate. They need to do the research. If they feel that that's the direction they need to go, um, litigation is a costly road. It is a very long road. Um, it doesn't always have happy endings. I can think of a number of issues where, We've been sued and it was a bad case and the plaintiff's attorneys would not drop it and it went all the way to trial and the client lost. Um, and then the company, us, would go after them for fees and costs. So, exactly. Mean, yeah, but also, uh, don't they get the cash register as well? Oh, yeah, maybe they do. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, then they do hit the cash, the cash register. And the damages are interesting, right? So the claim goes back to the first real quantified issue. Well, are the damages so, on your side things like you have to now apply undercoating for free? No, that's much more costlier than undercoating. <laughs> so what would end up happening is, say, uh, Lightning, your $100,000 Mercedes is a lemon, Right. You sue the company. I'm not saying that you're, you may want to bleep out your car manufacturer, <laughs> but I'm using it as a point of reference as it goes 
court and it is deemed a lemon. And the company who made your car should have bought it back, but for whatever reason didn't, you are entitled to um, basically double damages. So they have to buy your car back, give you back all of your payments, everything that you've put into the car, which is usually tags, tires, stuff like that. And if this dragged on three years, you basically get three years worth of car payments back. And on top of that, the civil penalty is two times. So if you were getting back $50,000, you would get back your $50,000 plus $100,000. Oh, my God. Plus <laughs> the lawyers would get attorney's fees. Ah. So you can see how this actually turns into a business proposition for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Can Get you have the does, does Lemon Law work with your podcast co-host? Well, you're going to turn me in. You're going to try. Well, and get, I mean, if I could get two I mean, times two, what I put into you, two good ones. <laughs> Twice me is still crappy. Yeah, two times zero is still zero. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know. No, I, I, I strongly recommend um, consumers to work everything out as much as they can with the manufacturer. And I'll be honest with you, I've heard some manufacturers are just absolutely horrendous to work with, and I can see why customers would seek out attorneys. Going back into the thing of it being a business, I've had people who have brought their car in for four complaints within the first 90 days of ownership. They go completely off the radar. We hear nothing from them for three years. They turn their lease in and they file a buyback lawsuit the week they turn their car in on a lease, getting oh. all of their lease payments back. What? I didn't even yep. know. That would never cross my mind. I would never think, oh, I, I, you know what that is? That's like Costco. Who will take anything spot. back? Yeah. It, <laughs> it's like the, I, I was, okay, so I was in Costco and I was returning like in uh, a tent because- the, uh, the seam that holds the poles ripped. Okay, well, that's legit, right? And I went to the lady. I said, hey, I bought this last year. We only used it a couple times, and the seam ripped. And she goes, oh, we've had that problem. No problem. Let's look in your history. Oh, yeah, there's your receipt. You bought it here. Here you go. Here's your money. Have a nice day. The guy behind me had a body-stained mattress. Oh. He was returning to Costco. Oh. And they yeah. took it because I saw it behind the counter on my way out. Gross. But that's what I'm saying is, some people have no couth. Yeah. They're just like, oh, you know, I, I've slept on this mattress. I've sweated on it. No, people are scummy. I was at God that. knows what else happened on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People are scummy. Uh, I mean, look, now, let me ask you this. So how often at working for a manufacturer did you discover, I guess we have a particular vehicle, uh, this, this, this make, your make model, or you, you, buggy. yeah, you saw something come through, and you knew that that was a known issue. And you got, uh, we, or, or you were seeing a trend happen, and you were then reporting it back to corporate, going, "I'm seeing a lot of uh, seatbelt fasteners that are just not clasping properly," or that type of thing. No, by that point, that's Monday morning quarterbacking. So the repairs have been done to the car. I'm usually only involved after the repairs have been done to the car. So there's a whole separate team that deals with stuff like that, with technical feedback from the dealerships, this and that. But what I, what I could do is I could look at a case, look at all the repair history from a customer and look at it and go, yeah, this is a known issue. This is a known issue. The dealership screwed this up. Um, this wasn't resolved. The car sat for two weeks while the parts were on a shelf and no one got to it. And that's one of the cases that you tell the attorneys, like, you move to settle that case. I'm, I'm curious what the percentage was of uh, dealership-caused 
issues where the dealership just bungled the deal, could have really bent over backwards for the customer, really made the customer happy that, hey, listen, we know you've got a problem with your with your, your car, your truck. Uh, we'll do whatever we can to fix it. We're really sorry. Instead of just going, uh, no, we, you know, we drove around the block. We couldn't find it. We couldn't find that creek or that rattle or whatever. Sorry was, yeah, that. And they argue right. with you and they send you on your way and you leave fuming. And that turns into litigation where had they just said, here's a cup of coffee. Let's drive around the block together. Let's figure this out. We don't want you to be unhappy with your vehicle because we represent the company who made it. Like, where do you see them, the dealers, exacerbating the issue? Oh, the dealers, the dealers are the source of a lot of issues, um, be it from techs that, you know, they don't want to do the work. So they'll just boot the car and say they can't find the problem. Incorrect diagnosis, incorrect repairs. Uh, there's a lot of onus on the dealership. Um, percentages, I don't know what exactly it is, but honestly, the reason the car is at the dealership is because there is an issue. So it's how it's handled at the dealer, and the dealer's the face of the mark, whether you know it's Ford, Toyota, Honda, GM, whatever the case may be, a dealership franchise, it's much like Starbucks, they are the face of the of of the brand. So some dealers are better than others. Both of you are well aware of that fact. Um, you know, we're all car people. So, you know, we know some dealers treat, you know, customers and modified vehicles better than others. Um, some have better customer service. And literally of- you're talking about dealers because you could have the same brand of dealer and have two completely different experiences because the ownership group is really good with one, loves the aftermarket, loves enthusiasts. The other one hates it, won't have a lift at anything on their lot and we'll fight tooth and nail on anything that comes in with any modification on it. Oh, absolutely. Funny you mention that. Part of my part of my duties um you know <laughs> were to flag warranties um of vehicles that have been modified. <gasps> what? No. So, yeah. You're that guy? I no. the I I, I no. was the I voided warranty. No. (laughs) I hate you. Is that why you're the guy putting aftermarket parts on stuff because it's your penance? (laughs) Are you paying back the enthusiast? Yeah, I just decided to go hard the other way. Dude, there's a Chevy dealership in Loveland, Colorado. I won't say the name, but I think there's only one up there. That freaking voids any vehicle with a lift kit, wheels, or tires because- Well, they they blackball it in the computer, so even if you go to another dealer, you're hosed. And it goes back to GM. And I actually had a friend of mine at GM look into it, and they're like, yeah, dude, done. Done. So, toast. Wait, wait, your warranty's done? Or are you saying that 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 dealership? No, is the toast? warranty's done. The, oh the, yeah, the, like the, the hoops you have to go through to have somebody at corporate undo what that yep. guy did. It it the dealer has yeah. too much power in that case where they can hose you like that. It's well, like, so check this. Out. I will I, say that I used it with ex- extreme discretion. Right. Extreme so, prejudice. That's what I heard. Listen, listen, Holman. Uh, we yeah. had um, <laughs> we had we had a couple customers yep. that bought vehicles right. in in uh I want to say it was like South Carolina it was they were both military young military men and they were relo- they were stationed up in Loveland that's an air force base up there correct yeah okay they were both moved up to uh Loveland and they go in for their freaking like oil change into this dealership 
And oh, I'm sorry, I left out a big part of the story. They bought their modified lifted trucks from another dealer stuff, from the dealership right. where they were where they were originally stationed. Okay, where for them they just they put it in their their payment for their truck, brand new 2019 trucks. They both go up to up to Loveland and they have their warranties voided as they're departing having oil changes in standard service where the the, the dealership's like, oh, FYI, uh, you can't have these things in your truck. Uh, here's your bill for your oil change and you yeah. have no more warranty. Right, you paid them and then they freaking hosed you. You're like, I didn't even bring it in for warranty. I didn't even want you looking at that. And they're like, nope, you're voided in the- uh- Militant. And they can't, and, and so there's a district manager that it goes to that level, then it goes to GM and they flag you. So no matter where you go, your your warranty's over. And it and it really well, sucks. And even though and that and that the warranty or the, uh, the 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 lift kit was a dealer installed item. It wasn't like he drove went down four wheel parts and got a you know got a lift kit. The dealer put it on like you guys do at Adventure Off Road, baked it into the payments, and then gets it voided at another. A warranty gets voided at another dealership. Like that is that right. sucks. So, I mean, to that point, what I tell my customers, because that question comes up to me every day. And again, like when I was in the field, I used an extreme amount of discretion, right? If it was well done work and it wasn't directly affecting the, the component that they were bringing the vehicle in for, no harm, no foul. But like we would get guys that put tuners on stuff um, that had, <laughs> you know, basically roasted turbos you know, rods hanging out through the block, rev limiter been raised, transmissions destroyed, you know, water methanol injection lines in the trunk where they took the tank out thinking we wouldn't see the rest of it. It's like, come on. I mean, at that point, you want to, you want to play, you got to pay. So this, this question comes up to me every day. And I tell people the same thing. A manufacturer has to prove that what you have done basically cause the damage to the component they're denying you warranty coverage of. If they want to flag your warranty, so be it. But if they're going to deny you coverage, that's a whole nother ballpark. And there, there's actually law about that, that. They have to prove they have to prove their case. If not, they have to basically cover it. And I was told, unless I can sit on a witness stand and testify to the fact that a component caused a failure, if I can't do that, I can't deny coverage. Mike, you can speak to this. If a manufacturer to cover their butts puts in the in in the um, owner's manual, uh, you know, dialogue about you know we do not warrant uh, aftermarket tuners and wheels and tires and lift kits and regearing and all the things you do to a truck, right? We don't warrant that. It is up to the dealership to police that. Is it? Is it not? It's up. It is up to the dealership to police that. And so, basically, so like that. that so like that, I'm, so I'm going to jump back in for a sec. So like that, the, just like the, you, everyone goes more than 55 on the highway or 65 or whatever it is in your area, right? And it's up to the cop, the local cop or the highway patrolman. He's policing those streets. And he goes, look, the guy's going 79. Like he, he's driving a straight line. He's not drunk. He's not breaking the double yellows or the double whites or whatever you got in your town. And he's doing it. He's, he's just, oh, he's right in that sweet spot. He's okay. But the next guy zips by at 95, that's egregious, right? So I, I want to hear from your point of view where the dealership should be and 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 how how can they all get on the same page where this we all agree is egregious. It will hurt the vehicle and will go to court, sit on the stand, be able to testify that this device broke the tr- the, the truck. 
how do we get all the dealerships on the same page or will we never? Oh, we will never get all the dealerships on the same page. So it would take some sort of edict from corporate, um, basically laying out some sort of guidelines, right? Like the dealership is the cop in the street. They need to make the judgment. And unfortunately, at dealerships, it's hit or miss. Um, The wrong calls get made. And I've seen the same thing where I have customers that um, that basically got denied warranty service for something that should have been warranty because they had a lift kit on their Jeep. And I a p- perfect point of example. I had a really good customer of mine that was flat towing his Jeep like every Wrangler owner does. Flat tows their Jeep. Not every Wrangler owner, but a lot of them flat tow behind an RV. Transfer case grenaded right towing down the highway whatever happened in the middle of utah tows it to the local dealer in utah because the jeep had a lift kit on it the dealer would not cover his transfer case under warranty and mind you we've seen this on jeeps with no lift kit (laughs) so it's it comes about that thing a dealer has to use discretion and they have to be smart about it and they have to know what they're looking at and a lot of times they're just not it's, it's an education thing right they don't really know they don't know the law they it's, don't it's know it's the easy way out right it's 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 it if they don't know they just say well i'm not going to deal with it the difference is most of those people in that situation can go to the dealer down the street now we're lucky in the LA area because we have such a high dealership density and you kind of know which ones are are modification friendly and which ones aren't and you can usually tell by the vehicles that are out front of the dealership that they're selling if you, you're going to be okay there um, so for somebody like us who can go to a different dealer, it's sort of like no harm, no foul. The problem happens is if that's the only dealer with a, within 100 miles and they blackball you through the, the manufacturer, that's a whole different game there. Yeah. That, you know, that's which like, was, that's horrible. Which was the case with this Jeep. And my customer took his truck, took a trailer, drove to Utah, picked up his Jeep and brought it back to my shop because he's like, if they're not going to warranty it, I'm just going to bring it back to you. It, it, there's a lot. It's there's just so many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to this stuff. It depends on the dealership you take it to. It depends on the service advisor that writes it up. It depends on the service manager, and it depends on the tech that's actually looking at your your rig or your Jeep or your car, whatever brand it is. So you take that and multiply it by all the dealers across the country, and you can see how people are never going to be on the same page with this. Mike, um, but you have to be your biggest advocate and you have to fight. If you feel that you are getting denied service that you should have covered, bounce it off other people. Talk to another dealership. Talk to other owners. You have to fight your case. Who do you go to at your dealership? Is it the service manager that ultimately makes that call? Can you plead your case if the service advisor hoses you? Can you say, I want to talk to the service manager? Or do you think um, everybody's in cahoots and they're like, Oh, you know, Bob out there is kind of a a dick, so don't help him out. (laughs) No, ultimately it lands, it would land in the lap of the service manager because they have the ultimate determination. And if they can't come up with the answer, you know, they would ask someone at corporate, you know, just to cover their own butts. Mike, I've been told that it's the, there's a, a regional manager in, in, in most of the OEs have a regional manager. So you can it's like a local business center that covers you're right. The region of, you know, maybe my 20 or 50 dealerships in that area. And there's a zone Correct. rep that sort of handles all that. Zone rep. Thank you. Th- this is a couple of manufacturers that I've heard of this happening because I'm on so many Facebook groups with so many different, you know, from 
Ram and, and Nissan and Toyota and GM groups and the whole thing with all trucks. And it, and it happens all over the place, I find, that um, the guy goes in with a modified vehicle. Uh, they, they deny his warranty on a local level. And then it immediately, I guess the person who has to sign off on that or is aware of it is that zone manager. But there's no way to undo that is what they tell them. The customer goes in and says, this was not the device. No, no, they, can, they can undo it. They all say that they can't. Like literally, yeah. they say that they I, can't. Or I they don't. Won't. I don't know that. Yeah, they won't. Is is of course they can undo it. Of course they can undo yeah. it. And I know people yeah. following the forums and stuff who have gone to the zone rep and have gotten taken care of by the zone rep too. Where they said, "You're right. This this doesn't rise to we will warranty it." So if some, you can find the zone rep, I mean, you can. So, it's in your owner's manual. In the back, it literally says who to call in case you have a dispute with your dealer. That's usually corporate. No, they literally list the zone reps and a lot of the manufacturers in the back of the owner's manuals. Hmm. Yeah, I, I wasn't customer facing by any stretch of the imagination. But what would ha- end up happening is when we would flag a warranty, all it would do was alert the dealership that, hey, put some extra scrutiny on this car if it comes in. If there's some some sort of an issue caused by the modification reach out to your rep and at that point they can evaluate it and make the decision it's it wasn't a blanket warranty cancellation denial that that's not what it's about you know it's just basically hey get another second set of eyes on this um because i mean and that that's the thing like the the company will say perfect example is that trx that badass trx ram makes a great truck but they don't make a trophy truck. So you take that thing out and huck it over the dunes and bend it up and break stuff. You know, it's not fair for Ram to have to basically be a race support. Well, how so, dare you, Mike Rice? How <laughs> dare you? I don't know. You guys but the commercials and the photos show it flying through the wait, air, Mike wait. Rice. What I'm hearing is that you're suggesting that we as Americans must have personal responsibility. <laughs> we don't have personal responsibility in this country. We used <laughs> no, to. No, Going back to the lemon law stories, um, I mean, I've had people who have taken their cars to four different dealers in the span of 30 days uh, trying to get parts thrown at their car. Um, We've had what we call would be frequent flyers um, where they have had three or four cars previously bought back um, by us and several from other brands as well. Oh. Um, and so when we would get these lawsuits across our desk, we would vet everything. Um, we, I've even had people tamper with their cars, unplugging stuff to set fault codes, taking their car to the dealer saying, I don't know what happened. The check engine light just turned on and it started running bad. And a lot of times their attorneys aren't aware of it until the evidence is presented to it. Then they get the case dropped. There have been a few instances where we have um, countersued people for um, or threatened it basically for malicious prosecution, I think is what the term is, um, for basically fraud. Um, I've seen it so many times it's sickening. It's just it's really the stuff that you see is just mind boggling. Um, The other one is mileage tampering. I was involved in checking that stuff out. That still happens. How? How does it happen today with all the electronics? <laughs> no, it's just, it's just like Ferris Bueller. You put it up on jack stands and let it run in reverse for three or four days. Do you remember that right. that, di- that didn't work? And that's why- It still doesn't that, work. Remember that's why he jumped in the pool and tried to drown himself? <laughs> well, so we would get tip-offs. So if the, if the 
the car gets turned in on a lease and just something is off, right? Either the car has been in a three-year lease and has never come back to the dealer for anything, which is impossible um, in this day and age. Uh, that's a flag. Um, spotty maintenance records, that's well, another flag. Wait, wait, don't gloss over that. How, then how does that happen? Well, I don't understand how they're getting out of not bringing the vehicle well, in. Well, so they would basically, because they're screwing with the mileage on the car, they will just take it somewhere else for maintenance. They'll take it to some just lube place and just have an oil change done um, rather than take it to the dealer, right? And Even have though it it's free with a lease on many of these cars now. Oh, on so many manufacturers with, um, the, you know, some of them have free maintenance. I don't know who really does too much anymore. I know, I know you can buy maintenance plans, uh, but I mean, I'm talking like no warranty history or anything. Well, I don't like get it. What, never- I don't understand the advantage. What's, what's the win there for the for that guy? Well, if he doesn't bring it back to the dealer there's no record there's no there's no there's no time frame of mileage stamps on the car because you can see if someone's all of a sudden driven 15,000 miles the first year of their lease and then the next two years it gets driven 2,000 miles it there that's another red flag so yeah lightning no i don't do that but how are they tampering with it how are they getting into the ecm or where where this mileage is stored so there are tools that you can buy off of um, the Chinese equivalent of eBay um, that will write mileage into newer cars. And you can buy a bag of the chips off of the same website and you take the instrument cluster apart, you can solder chips into it. Um, There are these things called cam blockers. And I know you guys are technically savvy. So if you think of like a wheel speed sensor pulse, right? So there's a small module that you can install in line in the wheel speed that for every four pulses that come into it, it sends out one. So it reduces your mileage by a quarter. It's like a uh, potentiometer, how a potentiometer used to work back in the day to change your speedometer signal after a, uh, you know, a yeah. lift wheels so and tires and stuff. Manipulating it. So there's a whole bunch of ways it can happen. Um, so when, when we would get alerted to this type of stuff, um, it, you know, I would go out, I would take 150 photos of the car, everything from pedal wear, tire wear, seat bolster wear, seat belts, um, pictures of rock chips, um, the engine bay, you know, oil samples, all this and that to try and get an accurate depiction. Because, you know, if you see a car with 25,000 miles on the odometer and the pedals are worn down and the seat bolsters are trashed and the tires are bald and there's some no-name tires, okay, it's probably got more than 25,000 miles on it. So when you would see that, then you would start pulling the modules apart. And you know how the instrument clusters have that tamper seal on it? Yeah, that little uh, aluminum foil-looking piece that once you tear it, yep. it can't be put back together, right? Uh, on my Wrangler, exactly. there's one of those that says HP tuners, and I think it literally says has been tampered with just so that way, you know, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Oh yeah. When we did the uh, supercharger, yeah, that's right. you did an ECU swap, didn't you? Uh, they unlocked it. Oh, unlocked it. Yes. yes I'm now blackballed. When Mike pulls up a report <laughs> on my vehicle, it says uh, big block letters. At denied. The top. No, it doesn't it, say denied, it, but it's joined my Volkswagen. It, it's, it's warranties flag too for tuning, but you what know, is I it? Go I am curious. So Holman, what does it say on there? Uh, just, it says something like a uh, irregular ECU warning or something like that. Uh, please check with 
whatever before warranty applied. There's something a lot, language is something like that. I don't know what it is. Mike might remember more than me. But, but so did you violate all of your powertrain warranty? You did, right? I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah, you kiss. You can just kiss that thing goodbye. <laughs> Mike, 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 Mike. Come on, come on. Wow. I, I know people. I know people. We're yeah. good. That's yeah. awesome. So you, Plus, Edelbrock uh, offers a 336 on it too. So you've already blown do. past that though, haven't you? A three. I, I we did it nine months ago. It's already passed three years, thirty six thousand miles. You drive a lot. Jeez, not that much. Right. So if you buy it within three years or thirty six thousand miles of the vehicle being new, I think is that coverage automatically kicks in when you buy the supercharger. Yeah, because they the company Edelbrock with their deal, it's not third party. They actually do it themselves, which is one of the things. I want. Oh, no. oh, okay. Well, I, I like that better. Anyway, so back to the mileage tampering thing. At that point, I would basically pull the car apart and pull the modules out of it, and I would find the smoking gun. And I would always find the smoking gun. Uh, Whether a module had been taken apart, I had like a jeweler's loop so I could actually look at all the soldering on the circuit board, Um, the date codes on chips. Uh, There's just all sorts of stuff. Could you see Mike Rice with his giant beard and a monocle looking at like circuit boards? He's not. No, it's a a jeweler's loop. Very different. Uh, Yeah, but most people would go, that's monocle adjacent. (laughs) Monocle adjacent. (laughs) But I'm going to go see them later tonight after we're done. Monocle adjacent? Uh, Yeah, yeah. They're going to get the palladium. They used to have bifocals, but they just couldn't handle it anymore. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, so I mean, the amount of stuff, and it does happen. It's, and it's actually, it's not as easy to do as it used to be where you could just unplug something and drive the car. Uh, Actually, you have to, you know, do destructive modification to it that does leave a telltale. Um, But it's still possible. It's still something to look out for. Um, And, you know, we would catch people doing it and we would basically give them their car back and tell them they owe us the residual of their lease. And we branded their title, True Mileage Unknown. Because it's wow! Oh yeah, play stupid games, get stupid prizes. (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, you could imagine as an auto manufacturer, if someone gave a car back to you for a thirty-six month, thirty-six thousand mile lease that had seventy thousand miles on it, that had been tampered with and was essentially worthless, you'd probably be pretty upset. Is there a type of person that does this? Did you find that? dealing with so many of these cases and the type of vehicle and the brand that you dealt with, was there a type of human that just was the, it was that 42 year old guy or was it a, a 24 year old woman? Like who was the type of personality to, that, that seemed like they were trying to pull a fast one over you more so than not? I don't know if you can really paint a specific on it. Um, I've had people of all walks of life try to get um, male, female, uh, you know, legitimate cases, illegitimate cases, tampering cases. Um, We had a a lady sue us um, to get her car bought back because her phone would not pair to the car and had all sorts of problems. And they couldn't figure out that it was the $800 phone and not the, you know, $40,000 car. So it's just, the people are strange. There's so many strange people, all different walks of life. The only thing you can count on with people is for them to, you know, you can't count on them. (laughs) You know, I've done all sorts of crazy stuff in that career. You know, I mean, I I authored reports for federal court. Uh, I would sit and give depositions for eight hours a day, getting beaten up by uh, like scumbag litigating attorneys on videotape sometimes, uh, you know, have to go to court. 
And it just got old. It just got exhausting dealing with the same thing day in and day out, just getting burned out. Um, and it just got old. So I decided to shift gears and play with Jeeps. <laughs> but the company that you worked for... By the way, that worked out really well for me, so I appreciate that. That's true. It's true. Yeah. It has. And many other customers, by uh, the way. Yeah. yeah. Adventure yeah. Off-Road down in Huntington Beach. Now, Mike, did you... You said when we started this call that you enjoyed working for the brand, right? And so yes. you still you still have reverence for the brand, and you do oh, you absolutely. do you feel that moving on and looking back that that they that their priority was the customer or was it brand protection? Where do you feel felt that it it lied? Oh, their loyalty is absolutely with the customer. They always like I got the sense, and I always had a hand in it that they always you know, always try to do the right thing for the customer. They want happy customers. You don't sell cars to pissed off customers. Um, right. You, you want know, them coming back and you want brand loyalty. Well, and that there's, was, there's also a bit of company protection aspect of it um, solely for the purpose of um, basically the ambulance chasing attorneys, you know, that would just rack up fees. I had an, <laughs> we had a plaintiff's attorney, um, like anybody who worked on the car for four years at all these dealerships, take every single person's deposition, the sales guy, the service advisor, the service manager, the lube bay tech, the tire tech, everybody's deposition at $450 an hour just to rack up these. Wow. Yeah. So, um, because there is a fee uh, provision in the statute. So, you know, but at the same time, um, the company I worked for, I, I, I miss the people, miss the vehicles. Um, I had a lot of great times. Um, it's just dealing with what I had to deal with um, as far as workload, plaintiffs, the people that just were completely dishonest. I just I just couldn't deal with it anymore, and I didn't want to. So I decided to, I guess, semi-retire and help Holman put his Jeep together. <laughs> Those, uh, he, and, he's, and he's thrilled about that decision. Mike, I, I'm curious what you think. Um, how do you have, have things changed between the relationship of the uh, the customer and, and the dealer and the OE with the advent of social media? So back in the day, if you had a beef, right, you, what, what were you going to do? Write, write a letter to Consumer Reports? No, 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 strongly worded letter. Strongly worded letter to Consumer Reports or, you know, you're not going to stand on a street corner with a bullhorn. You might pick it in front of the Chrysler dealership. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what are you going to do? Today, you, you absolutely, well, you tell friends. But I'm really, going to Yelp. How far does that yeah. go? And then there was Yelp, but Yelp is, you know, not really for a dealership. Yelp is, yeah, no one, you, know, you go to Yelp nobody, for like. Nobody pays attention to Yelp. No, they don't. They, they, Yelp is for restaurants. That's all it is for now. And Disagree. Strongly. I, I don't disagree. I'm going to write a strongly worded letter to you about this. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> but now there's Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and Yelp, and you got all of them. And if a dealer really Don't forget sucks, Google. Google's got ratings too, yeah, Lightning. Yeah, but they don't matter as much. Mm, yeah, they don't matter as much. Those are for physical locations oh, more so. Oh, than dealership, anything. not a physical location. But, but not for, yeah, it is, but not re uh, really. It's if the word. This is what out, I love about Lightning, Mike, is I know when, he, when I trip him up. And I can get him to circle back to the same topic and just go down the drain with it because he so wants to argue his point. And even if it's completely worthless to the podcast, it's so much fun. It's just like <laughs> sport. So <laughs> he's staring. Um, he's staring at I the desk right now. To finish. It's I'm so fine. funny. <laughs> now, gentlemen, no violence. There's no violence. <laughs> I don't care. Whatever. 
<laughs> so I see what I, I see what you're getting at, and the the advent of social media, I think it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because so you have to you kiss have much- you have to kiss the ass of customers no matter what now because they will blast you and it's forever when they go on Facebook. You know, I went to this dealership yeah. and they did this, and then you write this diatribe that the other 3,000 members of your fan group on Facebook all read. They're like, ooh, I better not go to that dealership. And now, yeah. if you're that dealership, to undo that, you got to spend $15,000 in Facebook ads to hopefully suppress that, right? Or you go to that guy that's on news radio that says he'll erase all the negative. Was it Podium or something like that? There's like a service out there that and you can pay and they'll so erase it. It's so bogus. It doesn't get erased. How do you know? It Have doesn't. you ever used it? No, but it doesn't work. It's Why just, are you being libelous? It doesn't work. I'm not being libelous. It's slanderous. Work. All right. Whatever. Do you that, know it doesn't whatever work? Whatever the OUS. It doesn't work. Okay. Talk to the people at those companies. I've, I've got a Facebook rep. I've got a Google rep. We spent a lot of money with those guys. It, they, you, they go, you can't do that. You can only suppress bad ratings with good ratings. You can't delete bad ratings unless they uh, are uh, hold on we have on this show well, I'll say well hold on a second <laughs> there is there is some legal recourse right there's some legal recourse if they do damage to your reputation things like that but usually they don't right so speak to that mike how in today's age you were dealing with that or the company was dealing with that i mean and that's the thing right like you never hear from your 20 happy customers you only hear from the one that's absolutely furious and he's going to tell the entire world um social media is a blessing and a curse right so it allows us in a sense like we do positive stuff on social media um whether it's through our vendors um you know like you and i have done stuff together lightning that you know worked out great for you know for me um hopefully for you too no i love it Uh, it's good for sure yeah and you know so you know holman you know you obviously you're big into social media and you know as a brand um, you can promote and sing praises and that stuff is always great. But the issue is, is when you get just that one person who's pissed off and they will tell everybody and their mother and make it their mission to make your life a living hell. I've literally had um, managers give away so much stuff, like like thousands of dollars worth of stuff just to get these people to go away. And I see that as feeding a monster. So my personal take of it is if I can't make you happy, let me know what I can do to make it better. But if the customer is unreasonable at some point, then, you know, I will not give in because I absolutely refuse to be held hostage, Um, whether it's by social media or something else. Like if I'm wrong, I'll, you know, we'll admit it. Stuff happens. We fix things. Um, But Social media has given every every idiot a platform. Um, obviously, I have a platform, and I'm an idiot. So um, you know, <laughs> there's. That I wouldn't aspect. call you an idiot, especially when you have my car keys. Uh, yeah, wait, I know. Right? Wait, hold on, stop, stop, stop. He's working on your Jeep again? No, no, no. I'm just saying when he is, because oh. I still need him. I'm yeah, not going to okay. call yeah. him an idiot. <laughs> no. no, Mike's great. It's Love him. It's it. Love everything about him. Except for when he hands those keys back to you and then he's an idiot? No, even even uh, then I still love him because I still need him in the future. <laughs> God. Great guy. Wow, are you shallow? Great guy. <laughs> Good guy. Yeah, nice so man. <laughs> the companies that have really figured out how to harness social media, um, but it all starts from basically square one. It's just, just making sure you can keep your customers as happy as possible because, you know, 
everyone always sees the fire, like the fire that's going, right? So you have that one pissed off customer and they, everybody sees that. But what nobody sees is the fires you don't allow to start. So if you take good care of your customers. That was well, I have not heard that before. That is powerful. Well, so I enjoyed that. Feel free to use that. I'm going to steal um, that. But you will remember what it was next week. You go. I don't. Hey, have what to. was that line that Mike uh, said? You see this? You see this squiggly green line on my screen <laughs> uh-huh. right here? That's a recording of Mike Rice <laughs> yeah. giving the line that I can't remember. Dude, I asked you to pull up recordings from like eight episodes ago, and you're like, oh, I don't know where that is. I know where his <laughs> is. It's at uh, at this time marker right here. Uh-huh. I just dropped. I uh, hit the M. All right, there's a flower. All right, there'll be a pop quiz in two uh, two episodes. I'm not going to remember. It. <laughs> I'm not going to remember. <laughs> it. I told you. You know, there's only so much you can do, and at some point. Um, you know, I fired clients before, um, you know, with good reason, um, you know, a long time ago when I worked at, um, I worked at a Porsche dealer and my service manager at the time literally told me it's better to run a customer out than have them give you four years of headache until their warranty expires. And then, then never spend a dime with you is literally what I was told. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. I try to think along the lines of, you know, how can I help them or, you know, make them be a good customer. And, but at some point, you know, the relationship's lost. Um, I think all of us. It takes a lot of work, Mike. You got it. And I have that same attitude. You both know me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I agree with you that I, I'm not that guy who wants to run off a customer. I'm not that guy who wants to run off a podcast listener. Like I will oh. bend over backwards and say, yep. how can we make this right? If you're upset with us, you know, as broadcasters or um, or as a, you know, as a retailer, what's wrong? Like, how did we wrong you? And how can I not do this to the next guy? And, and usually those people will come down and, and, and meet you halfway and say, here's what happened to me and here's how you can fix it. Um but sometimes Those you will but be the loyalist customers, they the ones have, that you yes, turn yeah. and make happy, will sing your praises and they will be great customers. That's why I always try to do that. But it, sometimes you are married to some of these weird. Oh yeah, for sure, people. they will never go away. You are married to some That's of these a really weird yeah. and interesting way to put it. Uh, yeah, I'm married to a uh, AEV uh, Rubicon. Um, with like bronzish colored wheels. <laughs> yeah, but the guy who drives that's pretty. He's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just dating, dating. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say married. No, you're married. It's true. It's like Utah. I have lots of wives. Homer, <laughs> <laughs> well, did we did we learn anything with Mike? I guess what we we did... learned that there's a bunch of scummy people in the world who take advantage of the system, and only sometimes does karma kick them in the butt and make them pay for the uh, malicious part prosecution. Correct. But there's also a bunch of customers who their voices um, do, you know, fall on deaf ears and they do need a course of legal recourse at some point and do need to get the help that they, you know, that they do need. But but only after you fought with the service uh, manager in your zone rep, make sure you hit those channels and see if uh, they're, they're willing to keep you happy as a customer if it is a legitimate claim. Exactly. But also, if you've gone crazy... You also have there. You, there is a pay to play. You, if you've done a bunch of crazy stuff, you got to expect at some point you're probably going to have to push uh, some cash out there and get your own damn problem fixed. Well, you're saying if you broke the law, you're committing no, no, I'm fraud. Not about, no, I'm not talking about breaking the law. I'm just saying like if We're you back to pu- 
Yeah, if you push it beyond the design parameters of the vehicle, you have a, a Jeep on 40s, let's say, and you're running stock axles and you break a ring and pinion, you, you, you put on you. you. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know? Please, please don't be mad at Jeep because they're not going to sponsor your your uh, King of Hammers car. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> I mean, the, the Jeep is probably. Would you would you say agree with me that out of all the manufacturers, Jeep is probably the most liberal when it comes to ta- be modification friendly? Oh, absolutely. Um, they have to be, or otherwise, uh, I mean, because that's their market. Yeah. So, and it's like I tell customers, if you put a lift in 37s on your Jeep and um, your AC compressor goes out, water pump, window regulator, whatever the case may be, there's not going to be an issue with, with warranty. Again, you know, disclaimer, you can't stop stupid. Depends on what dealer you take it to. Um, but at the same time, if your hub, <laughs> your hub bearing goes out, ring and pinion, that's a little bit of a different story. So don't expect... Um, you know, don't expect everything for free. I, I would also add one thing. There is a reason, at least during the warranty period, to have a dealership vehicle. And that is if you patronize the service department of your dealer and they have records and they what can show mean? you as a dealership vehicle. What do you mean have a dealership vehicle? I don't understand. Have a vehicle serviced by your dealership. Oh, okay. Got it. Not from an independent. And I love independence. I'm not saying anything bad about independence. But there is an advantage because a lot of times if you're a, what they call a fringe case, maybe you're a little bit over on miles, maybe it's a gray area, and they see that you have a history with the dealer, you bought the vehicle there, you've got a service history, you've had previous vehicles, they're more likely to take care of you in your favor. If you come in- business. Yeah, well, I mean, but if you come right. in and there's no history on the vehicle and you're a raving lunatic about something that's fringe or something that is a gray area, they're going to tell you to kick rocks. So there is yeah. something to be said for having for a relationship. Loyalty. Yeah. Like we, you know, we would look at that as far as customer loyalty. Um, you know, how has the customer been? Uh, have they trashed us online? Um, have they been a good customer? You know, are they a brand advocate? And a lot of that comes into play. Like, you know, if you're out of warranty by time, under mileage, you need a repair. Like, it, it's you know, it, there do, there is a case there for some help. Um, so you don't necessarily want to burn that bridge. Um, and I don't know what it is about people, but they think they can treat service department staff worse than anything in the world. I mean, I don't know what it is, but they, they seem like dealership staff seem to be like free game for people's bad days. I don't know that that's more so than like retail. You've seen all the Karens and the Walmarts and Targets and Starbucks raising hell as if the yeah. barista is some unholy, you know, incarnate like it's, spawn of Satan. Well, I mean, they're just people are just douchebags. Not all of them, but yeah, those those the, of those are. types of people Can be. that. I mean, yeah. I, I was going through a similar situation, and the people that I was dealing with at a manufacturer about this a potential lemon situation, they were all awesome. They were all awesome. I mean, I was disappointed yeah. in the way that they were not finding the issue that I was determined to show them that there was an issue. But but overall, like the service writers and the uh, the technicians, I was all I was impressed, and they and multiple dealerships. And it's funny because I did what you kind of suggested, which maybe wasn't smart. I don't know. I, I one dealership said, you know, like we can't find the problem, and I said, right. well, it's still happening. And I and I didn't say this, but I, I wanted to say, like, sir, you you might need hearing aids if you can't hear what I hear. And then he says, why don't you go to another dealership and have them get a second opinion? So I went to another dealership. And the guy told me the same thing. He's like, I don't know. It seems kind of, it seems normal. I don't really hear what you're hearing. You know, what? Yeah. I mean, honestly, your best case is to stick. 
stick with one dealer because if you go back and they've tried something or you've come back a multitude of times, you just have to let them know you're not going to go away, right? Your car has a legitimate problem until you can either compare it to another vehicle and determine it's normal. Or if there actually is an issue, somebody on the dealership side has to take, they have to be an advocate for lightning, right? They have to take your car, go, okay, let me drive it home a couple nights. Let's go for a ride together, pinpoint out what you're hearing. Let me spend some time with it so we can get to the bottom of it. And unfortunately, a lot of dealers fall short. It's just like we were talking about um, taking care of the customer. They fall short in that aspect, and that creates bitter customers with a chip on their shoulder that go, I spent $100,000 on this thing and I can't get any help with any of this and I have all these issues. You know what? You guys can take my car back and I'm going to go get something else. So I can definitely see both sides of it. And that's coming from a guy who's worked on both sides of it. So uh, Mike Mike Rice, a friend of the Truck Show podcast and uh, installer of uh, all things on my Jeep. Thank you for uh, taking time to... uh, and educate us a little bit about the ways of the uh, the lemon process. Yeah, hey, I want to do a quick little plug for um, uh, Adventure Off-Road down in Huntington Beach, California. Do you guys have any online presence yet? I don't know if you have your online store up and running. Oh, um, we're, I'm revamping the website right now. Okay. Um, I got the beta version of it. I got to go through and make a bunch of notations for changes. Adventureoffroad.com. Um, our, we have a site that's up, but it'll be changing soon. Uh, adventure.offroad on Instagram. You can find us on Instagram. Thank you. And I really appreciate you guys having me on. I really do. And also, uh, yeah, shout out to, uh, to Mike and Billy for the uh, dirt to whiskey podcast too. So if you guys want to hear more of Mike uh, talk about off-roading and stuff, you can find him there as well. All right, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. It's been fun. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Mike. Talk to you. Play me an outro. Oh, Oh, um, okay. Hold on. Hold on. How, How about this? That was awful. I mean, that was they, that was awful. Does that work for you? Yeah, it's. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see All right guys. Thank All you. Right. Bye. Right, Holman, I feel like it's been quite a long time since we've read any reviews, and we do need reviews, guys. It's really important to the future of the show. So, if you could go, be so kind as to go to the Apple Podcast app. That's where they count. Even if you listen to Spotify or you listen to Pandora, iHeart, wherever you get our show. Apple Podcasts is where we need your rating. So please do go there, leave us a five-star review. And, steal a phone. And, and uh, steal a phone if you have to. So yeah. funny story about this, because we're going to play this intro, and uh, somebody DM'd me today who is about, uh, I don't know, 30 episodes behind, and they're like, ha, 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 you did the thing, and you said buddy instead of brother. And I'm like, you're behind. And then like two hours later, he's like, oh, yeah, you said it right the next time. <laughs> Caught up. <laughs> so All right. So we do appreciate the uh, the reviews. And if you leave a funny comment, it makes it even more enjoyable Lady, for us to listen. Play the intro. Let's I'm go. going. Here we All go. Right, come Here on. I'm ready. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five, 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 five stars. Five stars. Right back at you, brother. Oh. Nailed it. Nice. Nailed it. Nice. Haven't done it in months. High five right Nailed there. it. Woo. Wow. I thought for sure you were going to blow it. No, I was all over that. I thought for sure no. you're just going to whiff hard. I I, uh, I was feeling the chi running what through What you my, guys couldn't so. see is that uh, Holman extended his mic arm up into the air, stood yep. up out of his chair, yep. and got a big old breath, leaned forward like he was a linebacker, and then just boom, knocked boom. it out of the park. What you got for me? So should I read the two that I can't remember if we did before? 
Yeah, sure. It's because been, it's, it's been, been so a while. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. been a while, right? All right, uh, we got this one from uh, Big E Fifty Two. Says five star review. Five stars. Five star review. Five stars. Says, I recently swapped over to podcast while traveling for work. The one was brought up to me by my brother Troyer, the Battleship Destroyer. After many nights <laughs> wrenching in my shop, while Troy told me about the events on the show, I decided to check it out and started at episode one. At first, I thought, "Who gave JoJo the circus?" And then it ends. <laughs> what? <laughs> it just ends. There's no, there's no more text after that. Uh, but anyway, he gave us five stars. All right, uh, we Those got are real high fives, by the way. Real high fives. All right. That is not a uh, sound. Uh, one of uh, lightning sound tricks. Uh, how about this one from uh, Carly One says, "Love the show. This show is one of the better podcasts out there. It covers everything. But can you please tell the world that a Honda Ridgeline is not a truck? That's what we do. Yeah, we do that. That is literally what we do. Almost every show." I think it we is our it, mission in life. We did it on this show. We did it on the last show, too. Yeah. So you know what? We deserve five, five stars. stars. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, that one more time. Here we go. There, there we, we go. go. That was solid. Better. Yeah. All right. How about uh, Matt Bingham? Mm-hmm. The truck spectrum of my life, a five-star review of the TSP. It says, uh, I now realize how long I've had trucks in my life. It started with my dad and brother teaching me how to drive in a Ford three-speed manual flatbed. Next came my grandfather's 79 Chevy Love truck. Bequeathed to me in high school, truck so small, yet manual, my friends picked it up manually to hide it. <laughs> there were others. And then it ends. Because apparently, once you write too much stuff on, it just, and cuts, it you just cuts you off. So, Matt being What is it, like a tweet? You have like 100 characters? Uh, I guess. He okay. says, uh, All right. Five stars. So, we'll take nice. it, even if it's short. Congratulations. You have earned five stars. Oh, I should have played. That's what she said, too. Uh, MTG Jordan, that's our Motor Trend Group Jordan, who's a listener, says uh, Hubba Bubba and Jaboobly. Oh, by the way, okay. he says this is his second five star. Hubba Bubba and Jaboobly, it's been so long. Finally got my corporate MTG phone and need to do the right thing. I left you a five star review. Yeah, buddy. OG Emmy. Come on, guys. Yeah, buddy. And it says, I believe. Oh. But Thanks for watching, and remember, everything matters. Well, I believe. That's all it I says as I, I it cuts it off. Hmm. All right, uh, we have uh, a Compa Manny. A Compa Manny. Compa Manny okay. says, uh, five stars for sure. Really enjoyed listening to these guys. It honestly gives me something to look forward to when I'm at work on Monday. Definitely a five-star podcast and a five-star review. Five-star review! Five stars! Five stars! Oh, that's nice. pretty good. That's well one of the better ones. Wow. Okay. I'm feeling really good about that. Uh, we have this one from, uh, let's see, it's uh, CLC SKI. Says, great and eh. Oh, Says, no. uh, love the content. Both hosts are great with real street cred in the truck world. I could do with less crazy and long jingles. He's not going to like this show. And intros, they're way too gimmicky and long for such a quality show. Seriously, you've listened to us for that long? You left a review and you think we're a quality show? We've never, ever accused ourselves of being a quality show. No. Uh, he says, my personal taste is uh, bring more off-road content. Really? Really? We do a ton of off-road content. We feel like we're really heavy on off-road. Oh, uh, no, you feel you're, we're really well, heavy, we're and then I feel- balanced, yeah. Uh, he says, and so far, so good. Moab show definitely has broad appeal for uh, diverse guests, but he did give us- Five stars. Five stars. All right. Nice. Thank you. And then uh, this one, Red Top 2021 says, The jingles will grow on you. Great podcast for all things man. They mostly cover trucks, but have a ton of unrelated content, such as food, guns, aircraft, alcohol, etc. <laughs> the jingles are a little quirky at first. However, you'll be singing along in no time. He says, Hashtag Yeah Buddy Emmy style. Yeah, buddy. And we got five, five stars. stars. Damn, I thought for sure he was going to ask for a. <laughs> 
All right, and our last one here from 5.4 Aaron. He says, five stars. This is Mike Finnegan and David Freiber. Freaking awesomeness. Plus, you guys are incredible and hilarious. Not going to lie. Thought the jingles were annoying and goofy at first. Now I love them. I listen to the podcast every day. It's uh, out podcasted, my other favorite podcast. I own a 01 F-154 before Super Crew 5.4 liter. And then says, but love anything. And then he gets cut off. But so, guys, this is this is all we got. The Apple just kills it. Yep. So, uh, but keep bringing them. We're, we're at like nine hundred and twelve. We're marching toward a thousand yes. five star reviews. Come on, guys, you can do it. Hey, we didn't do five stars. Oh, wait. five stars. Solid. Leave us a review. Apple Podcast, please do it. It is the Truck Show Podcast with Lightning and Holman. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. Okay, if you want to uh, check us out on uh, social, at LBC Lightning or at Sean P. Holman or at Truck Show Podcast, of course. We love hearing from you, so you can uh, email us, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. But Lightning, that's not the only way people can uh, get a hold of us. What other way? LinkedIn? 657-205-6105. That is the five-star hotline. But yes, I am on LinkedIn if uh, you decide you want to join me professionally. I'm not very active on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm there. Whatever. The point is, there's lots of ways to interact with the show. If you leave us a review, if you send us an email or a voicemail, we will play you or read you on the show. We like you guys to be part of the show. Tell us what you love. Tell us what you don't love. Uh, tell us that Holman's better than Lightning. Whatever's on your mind. No, 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 no. That's not on your mind. What is on your mind? Just hit us. Send us a DM because this is Lightning. I'm on. Uh, I'm checking the DMs pretty often at, at Truck Show Podcast. Ish. No. I, yeah. I, I I do it at least like three times a week. I'm on the uh, the DMs. All right, well, before we uh, end the fun uh, and we get to Lightning's world premiere of the audio he made of his own flubs. Yeah? Yeah, I didn't think so. Don't have one of those. Yeah, of course we don't. I don't make any flubs. I'm going to start recording you on my phone Mm -hmm. so that I will make my own flub recording of you. I don't think you have uh, any flubs of me. Oh, I will. No, no, I don't think you will. I don't make any errors. I'm going to only do it when we do sponsor (laughs) reads. All right, now that we are uh, into a three-hour show, we better thank the people that brought it to you, like our friends over at Nissan, who make one hell of an awesome little uh, mid-sized truck in the all-new 2022 Nissan Frontier. Make sure you head on down to your Nissan dealer or go over to NissanUSA.com, where you can build and price best-in-class horsepower, 310 horsepower, from the 3.8-liter V6, backed by the 9-speed automatic. That Pro 4X is uh, pretty awesome. All-terrain tires, Bilstein shocks, rear lockers, skid plates, all the things you need for an off-road adventure. And hey, uh, just uh, like I saw at Overland Expo, plenty of uh, mods starting to trickle in there, especially from our friends over at Nismo, to make sure that uh, you've got all the equipment you need for your adventure. And since you're listening to tools, we know you enjoy tools. Uh, you need ones that won't break and that have a lifetime warranty. So that that's sounded like hit. a slam on us. It was. It was oh, a okay, just, Yeah, yeah I, I thought for sure. Blatant. It was, it, no, it was. It was great. I liked. I liked the tie-in of using tools and listening <laughs> to tools and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, DuralessParts.com is where you go for well, lifetime warranty well, tools. Check this out. I was looking at the list of tools that you can get from Duralast. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were uh, ratchets, combination wrenches. What about sockets. the? What about the extent? Hold on, hold on. Okay. Bit sockets, impact sockets, breaker bars, new ratcheting wrenches, tongue and groove, locking pliers, cutting. Tools, grip socket set, locking adjustable wrench, double X long reach pliers. In that long list of tools, not one thing said podcast hosts. Oh, so we're not tools. Well, no, we might be tools, but they don't have anything to replace us, which is good because we need them. <laughs> yes, we do. Enterlessparts.com. <laughs> Head on down to your local AutoZone and you can find uh, all the awesome parts you need with 
a lifetime warranty. And you will need those tools from Duralast to install your brand new Bilstein shocks while you're listening to these two tools. Uh, the shocks you want on your truck are from the company that invented the monotube in 1955. Bilstein's been around since 1873, and they have full coverage today for all popular vehicles, including what they're doing. direct replacement, performance upgrades, leveling kits, all the way up to race parts. In fact, you can find Bilstein's from the factory on Nissan Titans, Frontiers, Ram TRX, and the new Ford Bronco. When manufacturers want the best, they choose Bilstein's, and you should too. And because you live in America and you want American parts for your American-made truck, you go to our friends at DZ. That's D-E-E-Z-E-E. So uh, the quality truck accessory people, DZ's been manufacturing truck and SUV accessories in central Iowa since 1977. Whether you got a truck or a Jeep, they got everything you need for work or the weekend with toolboxes, transfer tanks, side steps, truck bed protection, and roof racks. There's, of course, a whole bunch of Jeep accessories. You can also follow them on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube at DZ Manufacturing. That is at DZ, D-E-E-Z-E-E-M-F-G, to be the first to know about new products. You know, Homan, I don't feel that this show would be complete without the following. Yeah. 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 Me one more time. I can't even say shit right now. <laughs> I uh, played that for my daughters, uh-huh. and uh, they both uh, laughed. My oldest said, I don't even know what I'm listening to, and my youngest now just calls it the Dada song. <laughs> so. You are welcome, my friend. Yep. Thank you. I just I can't wait to show you how I'm going to pay you back. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Motor Trend Group. This podcast was created and produced by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan of the Truck Show Podcast, we encourage you to visit and patronize our sponsors. I need a drink.